Welcome to the Fast Travel Lounge. Uh, sit down, grab some snacks, grab a drink, and listen to us talk about gaming and pop culture. My name is Patrick. I'm joined by Seth, Steve, and Josh. Say hi, guys. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Hi, guys. And you are listening to episode one, numero uno. Uh, looking forward to it. All right, so the format for this, um, basically just going to go through uh, part one, gaming, part two, pop culture. We're just going to sort of recount what we've been doing uh, recently, last couple weeks or so, and sort of dive into some topics we might find interesting, might pick up a new few game recommendations. We'll just sort of see how we go. Uh, why don't we start with uh, start with you, Steve? A uh, bit about yourself and what have you been doing recently? Ah, oh, fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm doing good. Just sort of keeping on, keeping on. There's a lot of things to, to be doing with the whole lockdown things easing. Uh, a couple of games that I've been playing, I've after the recent um, Wildy vs. Daytona boxing match that I ended up watching, I started getting into Fight Night Champion, which is an old 360 game that's on EA Play through Game Pass. Uh, I'm not really a boxing yet. I just sort of got into it through that uh, anime manga series, Hajime no Ippo. And I've got to admit, like it's the Fight Night Champion game is fantastic. It looks pretty good considering it's um, it came out like 10, 11 years ago. Uh, the controls are really tight. Um, it's got the story mode, which is pretty different for, for a sports game. It goes to like the, the nitty-gritty underworld of boxing and fixing fights and all that. Wait, wait, wait. Fixing fights. So, so the story mode is that you cheat your way to the top. Is that what I'm hearing? No, 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 no. Other way around. Someone cheats you out of winning. So you've got like a couple of matches where it's like, okay, um, the ref is like really biased against you to the point where like you'll um, like any body blow is like, no, it's too low. It's below the belt type of thing. So you got to make sure you don't get disqualified. And then there's even like a really interesting part towards the start. Like it's the campaign goes probably like 60 hours. So it's not that big of a spoiler. And this part happens in the first like 30 seconds. But you end up like going to jail. So you have a couple of like bare knuckle fights with a couple of neo-Nazis. So, um, so the tutorial is you ban knuckle box Nazis and it goes uphill from there. Yeah, that's like, I'm not even joking. That's literally what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, it, so what I'm hearing from this is that they're cowards because there should have been a, uh, a morality system in this game where you could be the one. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you, what, what life choices did you make to get put in prison like that? Like, is there, is there like a Paragon Renegade Mass Effect style thing? Like if, if only you'd chosen a better option, you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't be bare knuckle boxing Nazis in prison. No, no. Clearly it was after the Nuremberg trials and that's where you're in jails with all the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out we're actually in Argentina. Um, so no, so it's pretty much just like a stock standard. The You'll do a fight and then a cutscene will play out and then that'll be it. Like there is no choice system per se. Like it's, you end up getting set up by a bunch of dirty cops because you won't sign a deal with another boxing guy to be managed by him. It's a, like the story itself probably isn't that good and it's probably like a B or a C grade like sort of Hollywood film but actually seeing it sort of play out in the time they took in like the character models and the voice acting is quite good um, and actually in a sports game because usually it's sort of just a exhibition mode punch 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 okay have fun oh. you there's even like FIFA 2021 won't have the best story I've ever played in the game <laughs> do they even have story mode in those games? <laughs> I don't know yeah uh, so sports games actually do kind of uh, have story modes in them they usually have you make character and you'll go through some sort of events that have you maybe starting off as a rookie and then working your way to the league or like just becoming a newcomer in the league and going through some events yeah we boxing definitely have some moments <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're okay sometimes, but they're very schlocky. Yeah, because I remember playing things like NBA Live like four or five years ago, and that had a bit of a story. Yeah, But anyway, so another reason I've sort of started to play um, this as well is there's like 
I think it's called Esports Boxing League, um, was announced at E3 this year. And that's because EA usually publishes all the boxing games. They really haven't really done anything um, in a while. They're focusing more on the UFC, MMA side. And apparently those games aren't very good because um, they spend all, all their money on like the big names like McGregor and Holly Holmes and all that. And so they don't really pay much attention to the actual fighting and the mechanics. Um, so yeah, the Esports Boxing League game is probably supposed to be coming out either this year or next year. So I'm sort of getting keen for that by playing a game that's 11 years old made by someone else. Um, do, you, do you think there'll be loot boxes in that one that's coming out? Ah, uh, yes. Like like a like a pay to win system where if you get good gloves, you need to get like a matching pair, like right and left, and then you get an attack buff. Could even oh, I thought you meant like loot boxes, as in like you're out. boxing some loot or something. Um, oh, loot! Bo- Ooh, yeah, 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 I like that. Like you punch That's the neo Nazi. Actually, very interesting and would be fun. You, that would you be punch fun. the neo Nazi hard enough, and he explodes into cash. We're under something here, boys. You're very into punching neo-Nazis. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry, Seth. Are, are you not? <laughs> I mean, I am, but I'm not the one constantly bringing them up. Well, I, I just think it's fascinating for a tutorial system to, to punch uh, morally inferior people. <laughs> um, we're speaking of morally inferior people. Um, that'll be a nice segue into the other game that I'm playing. So I'm replaying um, Pokemon Sword. Uh, simply because well, with Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl coming out uh, pretty much in about a month, maybe a bit less. I'm sort of it getting myself excited the 19th, for that. So three weeks. Three weeks. So Steve... Steve, I've got a um, I've got a very important task for you. I'm still burned by Dexit. I still can't take my Totodile into Britain. Please convince me to play this game before the other games come out. Honestly, if you like Totodile, you're already too far gone, big fella. Um, wow. L- listen, <laughs> listen. Totodile is one of the best. <laughs> I, I, there, I, there is, there will be no foul talk of Totodile's family here. See, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the ecologist side of this, where if as soon as you introduce Totodile as an invasive species into Britain, that thing has no natural predators. That thing's going to breed out of control. Miltank is its natural predator, if I remember Gen two correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, Excellent I, point. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole exit thing was. Um, uh, at the start of it, I remember when 2019 when this happened, everyone was really angry about it. But sort of going back and sort of playing through it, it sort of narrows the scope a bit. Like you don't have to worry about like being overwhelmed. And especially if you're a new player, it'd probably be a lot easier. And the VGC would be a lot better to be a part of where it's just not the same six to ten Pokemon. But then the meta game changes anyway and everything catches up. Um, and with the DLC with Isle of Armor and Crown Tundra, because um, I haven't played through those before, so I'm going through and playing that. It sort of in, does introduce some of the ones that were cut before. Um, and I just finished uh, Crown... Sorry, not Crown Tundra. Uh, the Isle of Armour one, the first one. It's very bare bones. I'm not sure really sure what I expected, but it's just like pretty much like three fetch quests and then like a tower you do with one of the new Pokemon and then you evolve it and then that's pretty much it. So uh, to be fair, the, the Isle of Armour was very heavily centred around what you can do competitively, the changing of um, abilities and whatnot, um, being able to do get your um, mythical Pokemon, like the, uh, I'm struggling to remember his name right now. But uh, Shifu. Searching strikes. Yeah, it's Shifu and And, you know, being able to Dynamax Pokemon and just basically making Pokemon into the way that you want them kind of thing was, was heavily focused there. In the second DLC is much more story-based and much more sort of event-driven. So there's much more to do in that one. 
The yeah. thing that I'm I'm still waiting for Pokemon. I know that it's not going to happen with uh, BDSM that's coming out in three. Sorry, BDSP that's coming out in three weeks. But uh, had to make that joke. I find it so funny that it's one letter away. But the 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 thing that always gets me is that I don't remember which gen, but they they describe the starting Pokemon as these are common Pokemon from a faraway land, and there's only like one of each that you can pick from when you start your adventure in whichever gen it was. But I'm still waiting for the gen where you just walk into the grass and it's the starting Pokemon from another region. I feel like that was Gen 2 that did that, actually. Because they were like, oh, this is so rare. Like, they're not from this region. I'm pretty sure it was Gen 2. Um, I feel like they've probably done a lot, though. Like Something they haven't done since Gen 1, and I really miss, is that uh, trainers could actually use other starting Pokemon. Like, um... Maybe it was Pokemon Yellow only, but I'm pretty sure it was Red and Blue as well. But you oh, could fight just, trainers along the way. Yeah, you just fight like someone that just has a Squirtle or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty and, sure those. Ex- and, I'm pretty sure those exist in current Pokemon games, just so you can have like all your all the Pokemon as a scene at the very least. Because I think it was either X and Y or maybe Sun or Moon. You actually get something for seeing all the Pokemon in the Pokedex, and I think you could, apart from some legendaries, I think that was you could actually register things through battling trainers so but at the same time don't fact check me on that i might be wrong <laughs> um but they do they do do that in gen 2 as well at the very 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 end uh you get to like when you go through kanto backwards you get to like a trainer hut where you can verse them and they have the, the starting pokemon and you verse level 100 ones eventually of them if you keep fighting them long enough so it's, it's okay i never actually knew that about gen 2 i, I play a lot of pokemon obviously <laughs> a lot of gen um, 2 a lot of gen 2 as well yeah i mean best gen Gen three possibly uh, it really second is. best gen. Is it? It's got Ooh. a lot of pacing problems. But anyway, that Pokemon discussion for notwithstanding about best and worst. But like, I'm enjoying my time playing through um, Sword again. It's everyone gives it shit about the graphics, and there are I, now that I'm sort of looking for it, I can see there are a couple of times where like, oh, we one of my poke. Pokemon will use an attack, and like the shadow will be just missing, and in the wild area, the textures are like garbage. Gen eight tree. Yeah, and that becomes a meme. I would in that area if it was stable, but it's just so unbelievably laggy as well. Yeah, which, to be fair, it, could also be Nintendo's online. So there it is. No, nah, it's because um, because I made a new Nintendo Switch online account, so I didn't um, so I made a new Nintendo Switch profile, so I didn't have to erase my old stuff because I got like heaps of like battle points and stuff that I'm just hoarding. Uh, and like it's framey, even though I'm not online with it because I haven't linked it to a Nintendo online account or anything, but like, it's still framing in the wild area. Like, even if they're like, I'm sort of in the starting era area and there aren't that many Pokemon at the start. And I'm, yeah, that's sort of pretty disappointing considering how much money Pokemon makes and how much it sells. And, and the argument is that Game Freak is a semi small company, but at the same time, like it makes enough money if they really wanted to, they just pump enough. Um, yeah, they've also come out and say, hey, you know, we don't want more than 300 people. We think smaller teams make better games. But, I mean, there's got to be I don't think they're even at 300. Last I heard, they were around 200. Okay. It's which is, quite Which low. is really small. Yeah, it's really it's... small for, like, the literally the largest grossing franchise of all time. Well, don't forget, though, <laughs> that the franchise um, is made up of Game Freak, who makes the games, and the Pokemon company that does all the licensing and the merchandise and the anime. Um, but at the same time, like... Like the bigger a company gets, not not necessarily the the better it gets, but surely they could spend a bit more time with like designers and coders and all that kind of thing. Um, and and it probably does get to a point where it's diminishing returns with like a bigger company means you need a bigger HR and hiring practices, and it could 
um, get to like a, a blizzard activation point where people are just sort of not being very good people. Um, and then it would ease into the multi-million dollars of revenue and four can't have that now. I, I do think they could easily get up to 500 employees and still see a pretty drastic increase and it'd still be a pretty sizable team without being too large. Mm. Yeah, that's then, definitely do wanna, true. Do we want to get more DLC for every game to pay for those extra 200 people? I'm still <laughs> waiting for the Battle Frontier DLC from Omega Ruby <laughs> Alpha Sapphire. <laughs> that's not coming. Let it go. I'm still upset oh, about no. that. Just let it go, man. Just, I'm, I'm going to hung up on that forever. How, how, could, how could that happen? Where they walk onto the stage and go, hey, we think Mario Run or whatever the hell the, the mobile game that I've never seen anyone either play or acknowledge exists. And they say that that took the development priority over the Battle Frontier DLC for Oras. How dare they? Battle Frontier oh, was that the was peak tragic. of Pokemon Emeralds. Well, don't forget though, it was a remake of Ruby and Sapphire, not a remake of Emerald. Yeah. But it had yeah. elements from Emerald it in did. there. Yeah. <laughs> ah, true. And it had that extra thing with Deoxys, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. The the it was like it was like story DLC built into the game. It was like uh, yeah, it was an, an, an extra the Delta episode. Yeah, the Delta Delta episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Delta episode was so good. Which was pulled yeah. straight out of what would have been Emerald, or like the the Emerald ish part of of what what it contributed to Gen Three. Well, well, the other couple of things I was going to say. A whole new tier in Mega Rayquaza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. So, I, and, I think it was her name was Zinnia. I think she had a really cool theme as well. Mm. Yeah, she was pretty cool because I, I replayed um, Omega Ruby at the start of the year. And like it's I, sort of uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic and crazy. I love yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a Gen I'm I'm a big Gen three guy, but Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire just had everything that I wanted in a Gen three remake. It was I like don't even want to know how the, many eggs you the, hatched. <laughs> too many. They had two daycares. It was perfect. Um, yeah, that's what I did too. It was really good. Too many. Um, where where they they had all of the same concepts as as the base uh, Ruby Sapphire games, but then all of the little quality of life improvements and walking up to just walking up to random Pokemon and it prompting you with, Hey, you want to open the Pokedex and read about this Pokemon as if you were actually like, it's, it's such a, like, you're never going to use it feature, but the fact that you can like that attention to detail in terms of like immersion. Awesome. It was so cool. And the deck snap itself is pretty cool. some of the cool best well. quality of life features, like having the uh, deck snap, I think. It was yeah. The deck snap. Yeah. I was just going to go on about that. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. Mm. yeah you could see everything in the routes and uh, just keep track of things it was also in black and white too they had it and they remove it every game after and then they bring it back for like a remake or a <laughs> sequel and then they remove it again and i have no idea why game freak it infuriates me like that because they always do that in some way the the other couple of things i was going to say uh i assume we've all played sword and or shield right no not oh. Seth. okay not Seth. that's fine so um for, uh, so uh first point um the but balloonia well, what's the like real pretty bioluminescent yeah, but, town? i don't know how it's pronounced but yeah balloonly but balloonlia yeah balloonlia that that place if, if you played the game you'll, you'll know it. oh uh, yeah that's it, fantastic it, yeah it reveals the greatest pokemon that's ever existed because chincho or Chinchow, I don't know how you say it, normally exists at the bottom of the ocean, right? Capable of standing of withstanding large pressures and, and you know, designed to be an anglerfish. But in Balloonlia, you see it floating on those little, like, coral flowers or what have you, so it can fly. So it's a water electric type that also has levitate. This just makes it the greatest Pokemon ever. And, I mean, if you disagree, you're wrong, but that's fine. Um, the other thing I was going to ask, 
whether anyone else, when they first got to uh, that, uh, oh man, already forgotten the name, Wild Wildlands? Big wild area, area. Wild area. Wild area, yeah. And anyone else, when they first got there, just try and fight a giant Pokemon, get it to really low HP, try and catch try and catch it, and then and then the game's like, oh hey, you need to like, wait. <laughs> yeah, get the badges. Yeah. Like, I can sort of see why they did that, like, because if you catch, like, if bike. Because it's like the way that the Pokeball catches, it's literally a random number generator. And in theory, if you just threw one Pokeball, you could get like a level 40 Pokemon right off the but, bat. But that that um, would be okay though, because if they... So so the problem that I have with the way that they did that mechanic is that they only explain it to you after you've tried it once yourself. But yes. in, all the, in all the previous games, if you got traded a Pokemon that was above your gym badge level, it just wouldn't listen to you. And I'd be totally willing to buy that if I just go and catch a level 30 Onyx or whatever it was that I tried when I first walked in there, that the Onyx just goes, no. But it wouldn't stop me from catching it and just, you know, one in four or whatever times it would attack and absolutely destroy what I'm looking at. But it just seems odd that you just have this artificial block of, hey, this Onyx will try and chase you down and fuck you up, but you can't catch it and you can't run away from it because it's too high a level. So you just fight or die. Do you want to know what the worst part about that entire thing is? Is that since they've introduced the DLC and I've done this when I had to rerun through the game to get the other Urshifu... Uh, once you get to the train station in the second town, you can go to the DLC area. You can go to um, the the uh, the raid, the max raids or whatever it's called, the max dens, and you can go in there, go through the raid, and literally catch a level sixty Pokemon, and then leave with it, not having to kill the end boss, and then you get that Pokemon for the rest of your run. So there was no point in stopping uh, that anyway because and, they broke And then you that still can't DLC. even catch the level thirty onyx. <laughs> you can't catch the level thirty onyx, but you can go get the level sixty. I think it is that you get out of the oh um, the Calyrex the, or whatever. Oh, uh, well, not even the Calyrex. Like literally, as you walk into the ice area, you get introduced to Pannonia, whatever his name is, um, and then you go to the um, the Max Raid Den thing, where the, the the Dynamax Adventure, sorry, is what it's called, and you get a Pokemon out there. You just catch it, and you you're guaranteed to catch it, and you get it. Um, and you can just keep that Pokemon. So you can just run through pretty much oh, the rest of the game with those Pokemon. All I that, did was level up a Pokemon to 100 using candies uh, from the dens in the, the Starter Wild area, rush through the DLC, did that and had a team where I stomped the rest of the game in under six hours. It's, so. it's, it's that kind of thing that just annoys me because it just seems, it just seems futile why it's built like that. <laughs> Maybe they just didn't plan to do the DLC or something. I don't know, it's an unfinished game. Dexon. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's it's entirely possible they didn't bank on the DLC, but I still think even if the DLC, like, the, the DLC letting you do that doesn't take away from the fact that the base game doesn't let you catch the level 30, whatever it is you find in the wild area. And that, like, the fact that that is even an issue is annoying because I don't, I don't understand the decision-making that went into thinking that that was a good idea. Yeah, even if they let it, even if they made it so that you could catch it theoretically, and then it never obeyed your orders so that you couldn't use it, at least yeah. you didn't feel like you wasted mm. all that time. And yeah, no, because I, I, I took like uh, I, I don't remember how long it took. It was like twenty minutes because it, it killed my team several times, and I thought I really want to catch this, and it was just a complete time waste because I finally get it low enough, and it's like, oh no, the shields are still up or whatever weird excuse it has. Yeah, yeah it does some like weird cop out excuse. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, safe, I highly recommend you playing it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, it is genuinely a good game. Um, it is a bit easier because the XP shares turned on all the time. But 
Pokemon games never really been hard. Like once you sort of like you get to a stage, if it's not if you played one of them, you played them all type of thing. The gym Tons trials are really packs. cool. Oof. Yeah, like it's it's the new Pokemon designs are pretty good. No matter what you think about like the Desert thing, like the that Corviknight Pokemon looks fucking sick. The Sada Pokemon all looks sick. The Dynamax feature. I genuinely enjoy from both like a competitive standpoint and like a, a general uh, feature of the game. Uh, and the f- soundtrack is phenomenal as well, um, especially the gym leader um, soundtrack. It genuinely goes off, as the kids say. And I've listened to that heaps while I'm like, during my work day and stuff and I'm doing work. That Dynamax um, so thing. You did not actually convince me to play it, <laughs> but my brother does own a copy that I was planning to borrow eventually at some point, especially because I lent him Mario Odyssey. So I'll, I will eventually play the game. I just, I'm too lazy to at the moment. I really don't care about Pokemon Sword and Shield. I would literally buy it so that you played it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I've got a copy I can borrow. It's fine. If, if you only want to play it for one minute, make that one minute listening to the Dynamax theme song. Yeah, it's, it's so fantastic. Oh, that's, that is an epic track. <laughs> for anyone listening that good hasn't seen this on YouTube, but if you look up like moving to Galar and moving next to a gym, I think it is at 3 a.m. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Living next to, oh, living next to a gym in, in the Galarian so region. Much. Yeah, oh, it's uh, so good. perfectly sums it up. <laughs> Such 3 a.m. giant thing. Pikachu just blowing just up your like, house. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the two games I'm I'm playing through at the moment. Um, Age of Empires coming out tomorrow, so I'll probably get on board with that. Um, see what all that's about because it's on Games Pass, so it's essentially for free, even though I've already paid for the subscription. Um, but yeah, on the and on, um, <laughs> just as a the Temtem on Xbox update, it is still not out yet. So many tears. It'll never happen. It'll I'm happen. Sorry. They promised it. Can, can can you sniff out when you think it might be happening? Oh fuck! I, literally every like two or three weeks, I'll like Google like Temtem Xbox, and I'll just get some Reddit thread where it's like, "Is this coming to Xbox?" <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, they said it's on its way." Because um, it's on. Because they scrapped the PS4 and Xbox One versions to focus on um, next gen instead of like spreading it over and doing a cyberpunk type of thing where nothing really works. So I believe they've released a PS5 version, um, and there's they have yes. they have okay yeah. Um, but from my understanding of it, it's still semi in early access. Like they haven't hit um, like the full game that they want. They're still releasing like one more island or something, um, and they're doing a Switch port as well. So hopefully the Switch and the Xbox versions come out at the same time. Hopefully it's on Game Pass, so I don't have to pay for extra. But if I do have to pay for extra, I will. So until right. then, you can just Google and get your own Reddit thread that you posted two weeks prior. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to post because other people are asking. Give the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Thank you for that, Steve. Uh, Seth, what have you been up to this week or recently? Okay, so uh, about a week and a half ago, Sora came out in Smash. And uh, straight away, I jumped into doing a Twitch stream for him as soon as I was finished with school for that day. And if, if someone so, wanted to watch you on Twitch, where would they find you? They could find me at twitch.tv slash Kai underscore Burr. Uh, that is C-A-I underscore B-E-H-R. And thank you because I wasn't actually going to shill my Twitch for that, but <laughs> you gave me a chance. <laughs> Uh, I, I do not stream very frequently. I want to. I just got plans to update my stream a little bit first and then uh, I will get back to that. Also very busy with university. Jesus Christ. But um. But Sora though. Yeah. Sora though. Sora <laughs> is a lot of fun. I actually enjoy him way more than I was anticipating. 
uh a lot of his moves flow really well into each other and it's just a lot of fun to use him he's a little weird because he's floatier than i was expecting like his jumps are really weird but uh with a bit of practice you get used to that so i'm kind of getting there with just kind of feeling natural with him but boy is that boy light and can get killed easily and he doesn't have a lot of kill power behind most of his moves but he does have a lot of kill power behind some of them which is really weird uh, like his, so they've shown when they did a showcase, his neutral B had fire, blizzard, and thunder spells, and that thunder spell can kill at pretty early percents. Doesn't uh, his up B is also a good kill, and besides those, he doesn't really have much. What were you going to say, Steve? Oh, so um, I sort of blanked on it. I couldn't finish my train of thought. Um, how are you finding the cycle through of his spells? Because my understanding it's like a, it's fire, blizzard, thunder. Is it seems fire, fire yes. thunder blizzard? I think. Yeah, it just seems a bit complicated. Well, as someone who doesn't play it Smash competitively, it is. It is very much not complicated at all. It it shows you what spell you have, uh, because it's only three of them. It doesn't feel like it's getting too long between the ones you want to use. And most of the time, when you hit blizzard, most people don't know that blizzard is actually very good at draining a person's shield, and that freezing someone is actually a very good things to do so most people just throw out the blizzard to get rid of it and then just go back to using fire as a projectile spam or getting back into thunder so that they have a kill move or something to zone people out with because it's also all neutral right so you you like you let's say your next one that you're gonna be using is fire you can you can just press b and spam fire as much as you want but then once you stop it'll just rotate into thunder yeah correct yeah exactly but uh, spamming fire gets gets a lot of people stuck for some reason. People don't know how to deal with it. If you're referring yeah. to me, it's because I'm bad at Smash. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I've, I played against a lot of people online that just don't know how to deal with it. We, we had a few friendlies and I didn't take a single game. <laughs> <laughs> to be uh, fair, I am, I am kind of good at these games. Yeah, I mean, jo- Josh is laughing. He, he was even worse than I was. <laughs> oh, I'm so much worse, but I did beat you quite a few times. Only when I play Pyro, though. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so I did some. I did his uh, single player content. I'm saying with the air quotes, as in I went through his classic mode, which is really fun because they set up a lot of the an- uh, the enemies in that to be references to uh, different enemy types or bosses from the series. So you'll have a uh, Game and Watch to represent the Heartless from the series. You have a giant Ganondorf to represent one of the first bosses you fight. Oh, the giant Heartless! That's cool. Yeah, uh, the last fight is against the Metal Sora because it, uh, at some point in Kingdom Hearts One, you fight against the Shadow version of Sora. That is and true. Just fun things like that. And given the the scattershot nature of Kingdom Hearts canon across all sorts of games and media, do you reckon the the single player content in Smash is also Kingdom Hearts canon? I would love it to be, and people are already finding ways to try and insert it into the canon of Kingdom Hearts. It's probably more cohesive than the Kingdom Hearts story, so we can leave it there. <laughs> Deepest lore. I, so so to, to make a quick tangent on that, there's a lot of edits at the moment that are combining Kingdom Hearts 2's intro cinematic of when Sora's supposed to go to sleep for a, a year. They're like, okay, so when he goes to sleep for a year, he's just in Smash Brothers. That's it. That's the <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of like that, but it doesn't explain the... Um... Oh, wait. No, 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 no. It doesn't explain the Kingdom Hearts 3 costume, though, in the game. Oh, those are just for fun. Yeah, but still. Well, they put they put like the Kingdom Hearts three costume in, but he uses Kingdom Hearts one proportions or something. 
Because he's quite older in Kingdom Hearts 3, isn't he? Yeah, he, uh, yeah, like a year year and a half older. Lankier but, um, from memory. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it's oldest Kingdom Hearts 1 face and proportions and hairstyle. Very good. Because the his hair Sora. does change between games as well. But um, yeah, so Sora's a lot of fun. Didn't Not a lot to say about it. I just went on and did his single player content. Actually, there was one more thing I want to say. And that is uh, doing his spirit fights were all easy until I got to the last one, which was against Roxas. And they made him a legendary... Uh, what is it? A spirit? Sticker? Yeah, legendary yeah. Oh, spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said spirit at start of this and I instantly blanked on what they were called again. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Roxas as a legendary spirit felt like an actual Kingdom Hearts boss fight, which was a lot of fun to do. It, he kicks my ass for a good while. And it took me like just trying to learn how to fight against a, another Sora to um, finally beat him. And that was great. It's interesting because I've done some of those spirit fights, some of the DLC. And like, I absolutely stomp some of them. And then occasionally you go like against one where you sort of do like the grab control or lean forward thing. Like I actually have to pay attention for this. Some of them are genuinely hard. Yeah. Uh, it's like, if it's usually like the very last one is the actual hard one. Mm, that's the yeah. legendary spirit normally, right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. there's two legendaries and like, so sometimes you just absolutely stomp them. But yeah, sometimes they're just really, really, really hard and like unreasonably sometimes I think, but I'm, I'm also bad at Smash. So there is that. <laughs> so what you're trying to say yeah. is that everybody should get good as the kids say. Well, I mean, if you're me, you don't use a block button. So I recommend you start using that. Why would you need to use the lock button? Yeah, Attack is rack. the best defense. not when a character has a million years of uh, recovery frames that you can easily punish out of shield well the trick is if you're running it in handheld mode the switch can only hold like 10 frames a second can't it (laughs) oh that that's a 60 apparently in handheld mode yeah That'd be a good tip. Just <laughs> just pull the switch out of docked mode. I mean, <laughs> just one up. people like to kick what, what? their routers online. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say, the actual strategy is to just kick your router <laughs> so it stops the inputs. Really? <laughs> oh, fire People, you play with terrible internet on that game. What did you yeah. call them, Seth? Wireless warriors? Oh, man. <laughs> I call them Wi-Fi warriors. Wi-Fi warriors. Oh, God. There's, some of those fights are just so bad. Like We were getting like five or six frames every couple of seconds when we did some of those fights and then it turned out it was actually a little partially my fault because i was actually a wi-fi warrior <laughs> for a few minutes Ooh. and then my and router then, died that night and i had to get a new one so who knows <laughs> but the new router actually made the game run a lot better online for us yeah uh, because we did a couple of one-on-one matches the nights that i was streaming and they performed really badly yeah that, but then the terrible. next night it was pretty fine Maybe it's because you were but, streaming yeah. as well. The upload was taking too much for Nintendo. It was like, nah, can't do this. That too. And and just Australian internet in general. Yeah, Netflix Thanks o'clock on NBN. Yeah. Well, don't forget the new Switch. Um, the OLED dock has like an Ethernet cable, so maybe that'll fix that up. Oh, I have an Ethernet adapter on mine anyway. Yeah, oh. I mean, even the old one, you can run Ethernet to USB adapters. That but, are but, but, but what about cheap. the people that don't want to do that? To- so the funny thing about that is that um so to run an Ethernet cable on the old adap- uh, on the old uh, docks you need to have a USB adapter, but with the new docks they removed a USB port to make a uh a- adapter. Fuck, I hate yeah. that. So God, fuck it, damn it. Did that. Um, but- <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I'm not sure I'm understanding. They they removed a USB port to put 
like to put just the Ethernet adapter. Get right. so, so so all they've done is they've just super glued a USB to Ethernet adapter into the switch dock for the new ones. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Hell yes. And now it's white. <laughs> um, the, uh, there's a black one coming out with the neon switch, but uh, yeah. There's, there's, and fun fact, both those docks are interchangeable. I've used both my switches on both of the docks and they both work exactly the same. So nice so to they, see it's still they saved you the twenty dollars. They saved you the twenty dollars in adapter cost by just adding it to the dock. <laughs> but you, have to, just you just have to pay three USB slots. You just have to pay an extra three fifty for the. You just have to pay the three fifty for the extra the new switch. I mean, at that point, if, or if eighty dollars for the switch, for the dock by itself. I mean, oh, if, is if that how much it is? Oh, I didn't know that. If you're I didn't not know you for that deal, you're oh. basically losing money. I think. I think this, the docks were like one hundred and ten dollars. I think they were pretty expensive, at least Australian, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, it's, but yeah, uh, uh, I don't have too much more to add to Sora. Just that he's a lot of fun, and I greatly enjoyed my time with him. I'm probably going to play more Smash because of him being added, and he was really such a good character to end the Smash Ultimate roster on. And for anyone that wants to get better at Sora, they can find you at... At twitch.tv forward slash Kai underscore Burr. Fantastic. What else have you been playing? <laughs> uh, so the only other game I've really been putting a lot of time into was Metroid Dread, and I've already finished that twice. Uh, so I did uh, one save file that was 100% and that took me 12 and a half hours to complete, which is pretty, from what I gathered, that's a pretty standard time to do. But um, I've seen people go higher. I've seen people go lower on their first runs. So it's about the middle. But then I did a second playthrough where I just beelined to the story and that took me three and a half hours. So a uh, big drastic drop in the time between the two runs. Yeah, not bad. I think I'm currently two hours in, I think it is, and I'm probably not even a third of the way through the story at all. So for you to just do that... No, you're not. You're still very early. Yeah, so like for you to, to make that time in, in that, that rapid like nine-hour drop between saves is pretty crazy. So when I was doing my fast run where... So the reason I did a second run uh, is because you get completion rewards. Um, on normal modes, I think it's just... Finish on normal, then finish under six hours. No, finish under eight hours, then finish under four hours. And then you get another free rewards for doing the same things on hard difficulty after you have unlocked that. So hang on. So, uh, I, I, so I, I have very little experience in Metro games, but how does that work? So if they're on distinct saves, what can they give you that you wouldn't have uh, It's before? just completion rewards in a gallery. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, just, just artwork to unlock. So I don't need to do it because all the artwork's online, but there's that little bit of me that's like a completionist that doesn't want to do it. The, so the, the, the serotonin in your of... blood screen demands that the numbers go up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and I need to have a save file that says hard mode 100% complete. That's that's understandable. But yeah, um, so uh, where was my train of thought on that? Right. So the game's actually fantastic. I wasn't I wasn't expecting the game to be as good as it was because the development studio behind it does not have a good track record and the producer made uh, some really terrible decisions with Other M. The less said about that the game, M, the better. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's skip that one. But this one's a, like a sequel to, what was it called? Uh, Metro Fusion. So, yes. yeah, they're playing off like so, a stronger game at least. Yeah, no, but um, no, the producer is basically been responsible for the metroid series since super metroid so he was still responsible for fusion which was great and then he greatly misunderstood the character of samus when he did other m 
And now it looks like that someone smacked his head in and told him no <laughs> and got him back on track for Metroid Dread. I, I liked other M. Gap was between you liked other Ooh, M. No. <laughs> I have no I knew job I in this fight, but now I just need to. Now I just need to hear who's who's objectively right in this. I mean, if it's going on votes, Fusion was far superior to the other M. But I've only played a tiny bit of other M because I couldn't stand it. So maybe it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm going to I, I'm going to make a radical statement here. I've only played two Metroid games. I've played Metroid One and Metroid Dread, and Metroid Dread is single handedly the best Metroid game I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> what an endorsement! Checks out. Checks out. Yeah, because I, I I played Metroid One, Two, and Three um, for the GameCube, I think. Um, oh, the Metroid Prime. Sorry, games. yeah, sorry, Metroid Prime. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, and those are very different. Those are 3D, 3D platformer type of things. But it follows the same formula as like a Metroid Vania type Metroid of game. It's a Metroid Vania. Yeah, I yeah. Where that came from. <laughs> um, and those are really good. So, if, and I think I played the DS one as well. Um, that's another 3D one. Um, but yeah, that is also another Prime game. Man, oh, I love Primes. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm sponsor, heard... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Daddy Bezos. Um, but yeah, I've only heard good things about Dread, so it'll probably be, it'll, I'll definitely pick pick it up. It'll just like a when will I pick it up? But but you said it's only twelve hours. I thought it would be longer for some reason. Uh, but maybe playing. Ah, uh, no, Metroid games aren't really that long, honestly. Mm. Like if you'll get lost for a little while, but they're pretty short games. They're only long if you're bad. Maybe JRPGs just walked my mind. Like anything less than forty hours is like, well, that was short. Yeah, yeah, no, JRPGs are like the uh, outliers when it comes to game length. What do you reckon came first, the RPG or the JRPG? Uh, the RPG, because of tabletop RPGs, which is what Dragon Quest is based on. Oh. Aren't all games RPGs because you're playing the role of something? I.e. like Master Listen, we're not getting into this discussion. <laughs> that, is, that is a discussion for another day. You're listening to 2am kick-ons chats? Yeah. <laughs> welcome to, yeah, to Fast um, Travel Lounge After Hours. <laughs> yeah, so back on Dread for a moment. Uh, Dread actually does a lot of good decisions for the Metroid series, like finally going into some Chozo lore. Because they've been around for the entire series and they've been like the source of Samus's power armor and past and all her power-ups really come from Chozo statues. So finally uh, hitting on uh, some actual lore for these bird aliens is really fantastic. Um, Alright, so I should mention like even though I've only played those two games, I'm pretty familiar with the series by like watching people play it or doing wiki dives because I do actually really like the Metroid series. It's just... Something that I haven't gone through the time to play myself is more the issue here. Um, but I do like the gameplay loops of that type of game. I enjoyed Guacamelee quite a bit. I enjoy Hollow Knight a lot. And yeah, playing through Metroid Dread is like, yeah, I really do enjoy Metroid as well. And I'd love to go back to the older ones. But um, yeah, so they mostly focus on the Metroids and the um, space pirates a little bit in the older games. So doing something for Samus's actual uh, history is really good. And uh, after other M, seeing Samus return to being this actual badass of a woman is fantastic. She's so cool in this game. And this is like 19 years after Fusion. So yeah, this so, is 19 years after Fusion. It's they took their time yeah. bringing this out. Yeah, and then look, it, it'll never be no Metro Metro Prime pinball. But uh, <laughs> listen, know, it's gonna be it's gonna you, be somewhere. you can't 
when when you make a 10 out of 10, you can't top a 10 out of 10. You can only <laughs> hope to match it. It's true. Samus being the ball that you knock around the pinball stage was the peak of gaming evolution. We never go higher. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean to be fair, Sonic beat her to the punch by being in Sonic Spin Ball as well. There was also Pokemon Pinball, which was also very excellent. So Best pinball game yeah. going through. That was a great pinball game. And the one on Windows yeah, XP uh, that everyone played in class. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I got way too <laughs> so, good at that. Uh, another fun thing about Dread, though, is that the speedrunning community has been tearing that game apart. One of the first things people found was that the second boss, the second major boss of the game, you can uh, do a, um, a, a before you fight him, you can do a sequence break to get some power ups early, and uh, the devs uh, kind of uh, intended this to be found because there's a um, a, there's a little block in the corner of the boss room in during the second phase where. If you use a power up there, you just completely destroy the boss's second phase. You don't have to interact with it at all. It just loads up. A, it puts you into a special camera sequence, and you just start hammering the attack button until he's dead. Interesting. Wow, that's cool. is that the one that I was up to by chance? Ah, uh, you're getting close to him. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to yeah, have a look. It, when you were watching me play, I was like, "Yeah, I'm getting up to a boss fight. You should probably." And you're like, "Yeah, I should probably not watch spoilers yeah, okay. at that point." Okay, I have to keep playing. So yeah. It's yeah, it's a fantastic game. I really recommend playing more of it. But uh, yeah, so on the speedrunning community, uh, people are getting this game under an hour. People are finishing the game in like 55 minutes at 0% with no uh, additional power-ups at all. It's nuts. Wow, that is actually crazy. And I think that's only like 10 minutes off from like another, like the actual best speedrun that does have uh, item pickups. So they're not far behind on doing 0%. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of crazy. Are we going to talk about the uh, the controversy behind Dro- uh, Dread as well? Well, not controversy, but uh... oh, how uh, Mercury Stream uh, doesn't uh, credit people that works it, uh, that didn't work for the last like six months of development. Yeah, so that that was one. Uh, but uh, from what I hear, that seems to be semi common, which is also just a problem with the game industry in general. Um, and also uh, that it runs literally better on an emulator than it does on the Switch. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't think that's a controversy. Not so, so much, much a controversy, uh, but uh, I think that's more like it, that's that's more high praise for what emulators are capable of. <laughs> yeah, at least yeah. for Switch, when people are motivated, they make really good emulators. I wish people would to give a shit about PlayStation emulators as much as they do Nintendo. I mean, I mean Nintendo if... will always be the peak of emulation because that's everyone's sort of. I want to play this, but not give Nintendo a hundred dollars for a twenty-year-old game. Yeah. But, yeah. but what if we hit the Man. point where we can emulate a Switch running a game on the Switch better than the Switch running it natively? That would be kind of wild. That would be kind of uh, wild. Hang on, I've got Nintendo on speed dial. the direction of the Steam Deck. While we're on the point of um, emulation, though, uh, there is a little bit of controversy around that because Nintendo just brought out their um, higher subscription for Nintendo 64 and Genesis emulators. Oh, fuck and the yeah. Nintendo 64 emulator is fucked. It is very <laughs> Holy crap, they got that so wrong. People are loading up uh, clips of um, Ocarina of Time running on it and it's just broken and buggy as fuck. Yeah, and there's all these problems with like Mario Kart thinking that it, needs, that it has like an expansion thing plugged in so you can't really save time trials or anything yeah, yeah, you can't save the yeah they, they went out their yeah. way to increase the price for this it is so not worth it 150 percent markup i think from memory 
Ooh. from the original yeah. Nintendo yeah, Online. So the original <laughs> subscription price is like 20 US dollars and then uh, the expanded one is 50 US dollars. So yeah, it's a 150% increase. Which is absolutely crazy for like, what is it currently? Like 40 odd games? Um, something like that. Like that, that, that is a lot of money to pay for something that you can run for free on almost any other device that will run better on any other device currently. Is I'm pretty, pretty sure crazy. at the moment you can run Project 64 on a phone. You definitely yeah, can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, <laughs> I played it. Through yeah. RetroArch. Um, you can even run it on, on a, the Xbox Series X. That's how I emulate all my Nintendo games. Legally, of course. Of course. Yeah, well, yeah, I owned all those games. Which Fun facts. You can't legally back up games in Australia. That's oh, right. yeah. Uh, I remember you reading For legal that. reasons, I'm now a US citizen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for legal reasons, we're not broadcasting from Australia, so that doesn't affect us. Let me just turn on my NordVPN and they'll <laughs> yeah. never know. That's not ExpressVPN, you traitor. <laughs> oh. Well, whichever VPN reaches out first will be the, the canon for us all to use. Look, I'm using NordVPN, so our reach is even further. We get uh, we get sponsorships from both of them. <laughs> I actually genuinely do use ExpressVPN as well. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Dread, fantastic game. I won't get into too much more about that because I don't want to talk about this, anything that'll be like gameplay or story spoilers. Not like there's much story spoilers you can give for a Metroid game. But it is, uh, it is a genuinely fantastic game. Possibly game of the year material. Uh, recommend everyone play it. Wow. So you're what trying to say that you don't dread playing it at all? Oh, oh no, I do oh. dread playing it. Those Emmys can get fucks. Yeah, those Emmys are genuinely <laughs> Actually, scary. No, after the first playthrough, the Emmys aren't scary at all. I'm still scared of them. Isn't that an award ceremony for people in Hollywood? No, no, you're thinking of E-M-M-Y. This is E-M-M-I. I don't remember what it stands for, but it does tell you what it stands for at the start of the game. It does, and I cannot remember it to save my life. There's I, a, I like a the idea of, of like uh, highly praised actors being the enemies in a Metroid game. <laughs> Alec Baldwin is- with a gun. <laughs> oh, Alec Baldwin, no! Emmy <laughs> stands for Extraplanetary Multiform Mobile Identifier. No wonder I didn't remember that what it stood for. That is a very, very stupid name. They just wanted to use the word Emmy. They did. Um, there is a there is a thing with the Emmy. So the anyone that hasn't really seen a trailer or anything, basically, uh, if they catch you, you die. And they sense sound. And if they see you, they just chase after you. Um, it's not a, a guaranteed death. There's like a one percent chance yeah. you could escape if you get good at countering. That's them. crazy. I've, I've, I've heard I've heard that the same thing happens with with Hollywood actors. <laughs> <laughs> How do I counter Alec Baldwin? Is it a limit break or something? I need. Um, but anyway. <laughs> You uh yeah so there's there's a chance you can counter these Emmys where they basically do this stab attack to kill you and if you press the button at like the exact frame perfect input then you can counter it and you do it once for a tutorial and you're like that doesn't seem so bad and then you run into one immediately afterwards and you're like oh I literally can't do this where's the frame perfect input it is so hard to pull off but it makes they also them still mess be with you because they change the timings so you can't get used to like oh really oh, this is when it's going to do it because they they change it up all the time. I didn't actually know that, but uh, that makes sense because I, I think I've only done it legitimately once, I think outside of uh, the, the tutorial, and it was complete luck. I was just like spamming that button and I got it like immediately. Uh, it was I've really started weird. getting decent of it during my second run. It is like, it, it makes them actually scary because if it was a boss where you could reliably counter when they were doing something that was going to be obvious, um, or even, you know, if it was the same time sync, then you, you get used to it, but... 
yeah, they're, they're genuinely scary, at least on your first playthrough, which is really cool. It's very nice for Metroid to actually go into the sort of like nightmare theme that they kind of had underlying in all the other games. So Yeah, no, uh, Fusion had a bit of that going on for it with uh, the SAX and just how weak they made Samus in that game. And uh, she was the one being hunted in that game. Uh, so it was really interesting to see them go even deeper onto that. To the point where um, I've been watching some people stream the entire Metroid series this past month, and they realize that they've made Metroid Fusion three times now. Oh, wow. Metroid Metroid Fusion, other M is just Metroid Fusion, but bad. And now Metroid <laughs> Dread is Metroid Fusion again, but a little different. But um, you can actually stand to play it this time. Right, Steven? Yes. Silence. But yeah, Steven has um, left so, the chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No prime, um, so no yeah, buy. That, that was that was that was my week. I, I've um I've just basically done those two things. I haven't played too much besides the those. I haven't watched anything. So um I'm I'm good to pass it on to anyone else. Right, well, I guess uh, I guess I'll start talking about what I've done, which isn't all that much. So hey, it's gonna be quite short. Um I've played a little bit of Xenoblade 2. Don't ask me why I'm finally playing it, but I'm finally playing it. So far, it's very good. I think most of you guys have played it right at this point. Correct. I haven't because the art style turned me off it very much. Oh, I love the art style. Um, which, it's, it's a weird thing because I do like anime art styles. There was just something about Xenoblade 2 that turned me off it, especially coming off Xenoblade 1 where I really love the look of that game. It looks pretty similar though, doesn't it? Like, It's it's a lot more... It's a lot more um, I, I feel like it was plasticky looking. I thought the first one was plasticky looking. Yeah, I, first I one genuinely didn't really like the first one's art style, which is why I ended up buying two, because I haven't played number one yet, but they're separate you stories. You played so. one through the Switch version, though, right? I haven't played it at all. You said you were going to buy okay. one and I was going to lend you two. Yeah. You're throwing your money away. I watched the trailers and I was like, <laughs> no, I really want to play number two. And it was like 1am and I had one of those Switch vouchers and I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because I played Xenoblade 1 on the Wii and that's like very... PS2 era JRPG. It is, looking, yeah. Like Final Fantasy 12. Yeah, mm. it's it's much in that sort of vein. And the, it, even the gameplay between 1 and 2, there are similarities, but it's completely different. Like, if you didn't know, um, like, if it wasn't called Xenoblade, they could literally... And if there's a bit of universe crossover as well, but they could literally be, like, two different games. So is Xenoblade 2 the same as Xenoblade Chronicles 2? Or are they different? Oh, so we're just saying Xenoblade shorthand, but it's Xenoblade Chronicles. Okay, because I, I have Xenoblade Chronicles 2 that I picked up in a um, Boxing Day sale a couple of years ago, and I've just never played yet because everyone says that it's like a 100-hour game, and sounds fantastic, and I will play it at some point. I just haven't yet. So I'm currently about six or seven hours in, and I'm up to the point where I'm like, oh, that was the end of the tutorial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I've long it takes. I've heard people yeah. say that, yeah. Yeah, it takes yeah, ages. Yeah, no, the Xenoblade games are very long. They expect you to do a lot of side quests as well to stay leveled for the main quest. So they do end up taking about 100 hours to complete. I think the average time is about 60 if you're just focusing on the story. From memory, I remember Googling it at one point. Um, and then, yeah, the full completionist was like 100 hours. Yeah, like the, the amount of side quests are like pretty staggering. And, and there's like a weird... Oh, I'm not sure how far you are, so stop me if I'm spoiling I'm decently it. far. Like, I, I've got past a, a point where they introduced a mechanic, which I think is really cool, and I can see myself going to be spending a lot of time on. And it's nothing revolutionary, but basically as you go through uh, the side quests in the game, which is another reason to do them, you sort of, like, level up the development is what they call it of the town, at least that's the English translation. 
And as you level up the development, stores start to sell more things. Um, you can do more things within the town and you can eventually like sort of buy a shop, but you don't get like profit to the shop. You get like a permanent buff for your character. So if you buy like one of each of the items from the store and then you buy like the, the deed to the store, then you get like, I don't know, like increased item pickup range or increased damage, or you basically have like this soul bond with your blade, they call it, which is like a spirit that helps you. And uh, yeah, like that range could increase. Very cool stuff. I, I, I'm definitely going to end up doing pretty much every side quest just to have those buffs. Yeah, there's so. that. And then there's also like like the blade sort of system becomes like a very weird um, gacha system that you can't really pay any more money for. And it's very RNG based, but that's yeah, 20 or 30 hours. That, actually. In, yeah, yeah I, I heard someone describe Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as a gacha game that you pay up front for. Yeah. yeah. yeah and there's no way to sort of like rig it in your favor. Like you can sort of yeah. tell if you've got... And some blades only come through... Uh, certain crystals, I think they're called. Yeah, a lot of people like want crystals. the uh, girl from one of the Z- the earlier Xeno games. I think Xeno Gears. They want to get Cosmos from those, and some people get extremely lucky and get her right away. And some people spend hours on crates just not getting her. Yeah, because there are side yeah. quests tied to specific unique blades. Ah, um, oh, right. Interesting. Yeah, it, I didn't know that. Well, it's, you don't really hear about it until like twenty hours in, and like you don't really like get the gist of it unless you like accidentally get like a unique blade and you can really tell like oh this one's like stronger or it look, looks completely different but i have or, pyro <laughs> yeah but you get three yeah, i think like the the team system is you have like three blades and you'll have like three characters in your party and then they can have three blades um, yeah so you can have yeah three characters in your party at any given time and you can have up to three blades on them but i'm so I only had the one and I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, this must be where the tutorial ends. I did this like four times actually playing through the game so far. So I'm probably not even at the end of the tutorial, but it's like, Hey, there's like, here's the mechanics and you go, cool. I've mastered it. You get your first blade and you're like, yep. End of the tutorial. And then they run you through a little bit more. They introduce like the side quests and the towns and you're like, end of the tutorial. And then they give you like more than one blade and talk about how that you can like swap between them in battle. And you're like, cool end of the tutorial and this is basically where i am but they only let you equip two blades at this at this point in time and i was like oh no there's more <laughs> so i still haven't got the, the third blade but yeah there is a like a gacha system where you use like the core crystals and then the uh it's similar to like a gacha game actually each of these spirits have like different roles so there's a tackle ones i think there's a defender one but i haven't got one yet and then healer ones as well so it's it's really interesting, actually, how you can sort of build your characters how you want and the blades how you want. And you modify them as well with, like, like if you've ever played, like, a gacha game, you have, like, the gear, like, in um, Genshin or something like that that you equip onto, like, the artifacts. Uh, but you basically upgrade them with, like, what they call chips, which are, like, just an upgrade that does certain things. It's really bizarre. There's a lot of customization for something that is a single-player game. Cool. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, no one's really sure where to go with this. that one. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, and I've been playing Back for Blood, so Back for Blood was very good. Uh, I've also been playing a little bit of Back for Blood. Yeah. So we can we can talk about that for a little bit. I I think it's not it's not a very long game. I would say maybe eight hours. I think it took to do pretty much every act. Um, actually, it no, took it me about an hour or so to do the first act, I think. Yeah, so the yeah, first not, one is not that pretty long. quick. Uh, and then uh, it, what, what is interesting, though, is that the acts are sort of broken up into stages, but the stages aren't consistent across the acts. 
Like the first act is like more stages than any other act, but they're very, very quick stages. And then as you oh, sort of see progress you through, you yep. go through more stages and they, they can be like varying lengths. And then the very last one's a big boss fight, which is like it's its own act is this this boss fight. It's very bizarre. Um, yeah, there was an act I played that um uh, I won't get into too many specifics, but um basically you ran down a um down to where the main objective was, and then did you start doing the objective while waves of um zombies come towards you, and that mission was done in two minutes for me and my group. Yeah, some of those like stages are not long at all, and I think is they're not long. It's just like easy, like a potential. Is it easy so, to uh, play like you're bulldozing it? Uh, it might have been because we're playing on the easiest difficulty available at the moment oh, because we're go- we're, oh God. we're staggering it up. We're like, we'll clear everything on the first difficulty, then we'll go up to the second difficulty, then the harder one. So maybe it was because of that, yeah. I think I did it on the but, second one, and there's a reason for that, which I understand why you're doing that, because they have a, a card system, um, and basically this card system kind of is the only way it varies from Left 4 Dead. But uh, your enemies get cards which do like unique things, so it can change certain enemies to be faster, or they'll be armored, or they'll do more damage, or something like that. And then you get a whole set of cards as well that you can unlock and buy with the points that you you get from the the multiplayer, like for the the story in general. Uh, and you can sort of equip your own cards to counter the enemy cards. So it's kind of like a yeah, so deck builder. They thing can as well. range from anywhere from stat boost to um to just increasing the efficiency of your weapons or damage. One of them is actually like it changes your melee entirely to like a, a useful melee. <laughs> because the other Yeah, turning into a knife stab that's very quick. It's very quick, yeah. Although pretty brutal. Um, it's so pretty uh, much Yu-Gi-Oh, but with zombies. That's, that's no. all I can think about. Yeah. Think, as soon as I mentioned cards, I've tried the hardest to just put it out of my mind, but all I think is just someone running through a horde of zombies with just like, I don't know, six man-eater bugs strapped to their chest. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain, but if you think of it kind of like like a Slay the Spire kind of thing, if you've ever played like one of those kind of deck builder games where you still have like a core combat and everything, but your, your cards that you have are basically buffs. So that once you equip them, you get like a, a stat boost, like what Seth was saying, or you get a different melee, or your your heals heal for more, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I was just okay. thinking that maybe I'd explain it more like a roguelike, but instead of like you're coming across these things, it's you're equipping them at the beginning of every stage. Yeah, so basically as you go through the acts, depending on the length of the act, they'll give you X amount of cards at the start that you can equip. I think it's... Uh, I think I'm, I don't actually know what it is on Act 1, but on the last stage, it gives you all 15 cards, and you can have a max of 15 cards. Um, and in the other stages, as you progress through the act, you get to equip more cards, and your, the enemies get different cards and make them tougher uh, as you progress through the act. So it's kind of like you need to pick the right skills to counter the enemies, but also make yourself viable. There's nothing that's like game-breaking or anything like that. It's just like, hey, you know, I'm going to pick all the healer cards and I'm going to try and keep you guys alive for when we actually need to heal or I'm going to do damage or I'm going to go mobility, stuff like that. Or, hey, I'm always running out of ammo. I'm going to equip more ammo. So there's ones that, that add ammo and stuff. It's So the one that I mechanic. saw that was the most fun is that uh, my girlfriend really enjoys the character that has a bat uh, straight away. And she started equipping cards that was like, hey, if you do melee damage, then you're going to start healing for a point. So she just started running around everywhere, smacking things with bats, and she just would not die. <laughs> Everything was healing her. Uh, she'd run up into like the um, to the advanced ridden, and she just starts smacking them with a bat too and was actually killing them pretty decently. 
on the on the easiest difficulty again or yeah yeah it's, it's still on the easiest difficulty but it's still surprising to see like hey this actually works very well right yeah, yeah. for her um it, it is like they still have the sort of left for dead enemies if you've played left for dead but where they'll have unique abilities so there's ones the way you shoot them and they'll explode and do damage or they'll throw poison on you which like summons a horde or there's ones like like the witches which screech which you know if you don't kill them fast enough then a horde comes of enemies or ones that like lock you down into a place so that the zombies can grab you or um there's actually these ones that kind of sit in walls in dark places which fall out and grab you and they kind of look like like they're like giving birth to a zombie it's really creepy I'm and it scared. just like falls on you yeah oh man it's cool, um, cool zombies there was one enemy that just absolutely destroyed my, uh, one of our sessions where it um it just picks you up and eats you and it starts running away oh, and yeah. will go underground. And if it goes underground with you still in its stomach, then that's it. You're dead. Yeah, wow. that, that, one, that one is kind of rough. You do have a lot of time, though, because the way that one works is that it just chases one enemy. So you just get one person to, like, sprint around in a circle while everyone jumps on it. But that enemy shows up. Like, if it shows up, you he, you start killing it and it goes underground if you don't kill it, kill it. And then it pops up again later and then it pops up again later and you just have to actually kill it, kill it to get rid of it from that stage. Or just sprint through the stage and try and rush through as fast as you can. That's, that's a cool design. Yeah, that was, I like that. That was my first time yeah. encountering that enemy so I had no idea what it was going to do and it just... It just bored me. Yeah, I only uh, I only found out because like I it popped up and it targeted me. I was like, hey, look at this thing. This is kind of cool. And the people I was with that, that did uh, play a bit of the game before I started playing started screaming, run, 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 run. And I was like, picking up. <laughs> <laughs> so start running around in circles. Like, what what is this thing? And then it picked me up because I was like, no, I'm just gonna fight it. And it just started like eating me. And I was like, oh man, it's time to go. <laughs> help, help, yeah. help. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, once I saw it, I was like, nope, this game is not for me. <laughs> it's actually I am fun, not though. into this fetish. I genuinely didn't think I would enjoy the game because I, I mean, I liked Left 4 Dead, but I've played it to the point where it's like, hey, you know, how can you really make this better? And the moment I loaded up this game and saw the card system, I was like, I really don't want to play this because I really don't like the idea of kind of building a custom deck and having to go through a story with like a meta. But no, it was really good. And all the yeah, cards no, feel pretty equally strong. Yeah, I I heard a, before it came out, like when people were doing it, the beta test and everything. I just I heard a lot of people just weren't happy with the card system, but it's surprisingly pretty fun. Yeah, I don't mind at all. And something it's on that Game they maybe tweaked so uh, post beta, possibly. Yeah, yeah, could have been possible. First first time in history that a game dev uses a beta not just as like a pre release, but to actually take on and adjust things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good point. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that's Back for Blood. Uh, I guess, yeah, there's not really too much more we can say about that without going into spoilers. So what have you been up to, Patrick? Uh, not a huge amount. Um, certainly nothing you know, recent or topical. Uh, what do we... Um, played a bit of Gunfire Reborn. Uh, for those that haven't played it, it's, I think, still technically in early access, but it's going it to go is. through a proper release in the next month? Two months? It's, uh, it's before the end of the year. I don't think yeah, before the end of the date. year. But at the moment, it's it's quite cheap and very very addictive. Yeah, it is. And the the selling point and it's still being in early access is that it's it's what like ninety percent done because they're they're going to add is it, it it's a um it's a first person shooter. It's got sort of elements of Borderlands and elements of roguelikes and things. But the current thing is that you run through three three stages. But for the full release, they're adding the fourth stage if I'm not mistaken. So. 
there will be more content added when it's properly released, but the price is also going to go up. So I uh, would thoroughly recommend people check it out. It's really, really fun. Um, a little too addicting, some some could say, uh, but uh, I'm also quite into those sorts of games where you can sort of do a, a round, if you like, you can go through uh, one like playthrough and it do, and you know once you once you die that's kind of like oh do I want to do another one or do I want to stop and there's no kind of push to to keep throwing yourself at it unless you have the time or you really want to. How long are the runs do they go for? Is it like a couple of minutes, half an hour? What's it like? Um, so I mean, uh, yeah, I yeah, go, go on, Josh. stupid amount of this game and Patrick, I'm the reason kind of Patrick's playing it. So in, <laughs> he he probably doesn't have a lot of experience with like the normal modes because uh, when when we picked it up, I kind of just sprinted him through them and we got to the harder difficulty, but. Uh, the normal sort of runs as you're getting used to the game can take a little while because you're obviously reading all your skills and reading all the different guns and sort of figuring out what's what and how you want to build. Um, but generally speaking, for the easier rounds, it usually takes about sort of half an hour to 40 minutes. And then as you get into the, the nightmare and, and harder runs, it usually takes about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. So oh, shit. decently long, but obviously if you die, which is very, very possible early on, then that run becomes drastically shorter. Yeah, so. and I, I believe there are achievements for doing various difficulties in various amounts of time, and I think those ballpark in about 20 minutes. So Something if you're like running, that, yeah. if you're if you're doing a playthrough, I don't remember what difficulty, but if you do a playthrough within 20 minutes, that's sort of achievement worthy. So you can sort of take from that uh, how long it would take to, to do it without really gunning for it. But yeah, they, they sit around the 30 minute ish mark either you, you you finish it you get close to finishing it or you've already died by that point <laughs> so you're telling me that you guys are also playing a game where completing it faster is giving you some sweet sweet serotonin in your brain <laughs> only on achievement points but yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to actually get those achievements but uh yeah it is fun uh, there's a bunch of different characters to pick from and they they all play differently enough that if you get bored of one switching up to another one is actually quite a different experience which is cool yeah, I think there's currently five different... I don't know what they call them, but I'm just going to call them heroes. Um, and they, they all kind of work around different things. So that the way the gun works... Uh, sorry, the way that the game works is that all the guns have, are kind of unique. So if you drop one gun, then it will do the same as that other gun that has the same name throughout all of the rounds. But they can have unique properties on them, like uh, very specific to that gun. So you might get one of this certain gun that does... Uh, I don't know, it hones in attacks on enemies and that's just how that gun works. But then you might get a gun that has that property because it always has that property with a lot of crit damage or something like that. Um, and so that's a very Borderlands-esque thing. But then it also does a very roguelike situation where as you complete the areas in each stage and like there's a whole bunch of different areas per stage, you get like a skill or a scroll at the end of it. And their skills are very specific for your character or your hero. And you level up like a talent of theirs and you can sort of spec into different ways for that run. Um, and the scrolls are unique to all of them. They're not unique, sorry. They're, they're across everyone. And those scrolls will do the same things for, for every hero that picks them up. So you might get one that's focused on crit damage, but your character might not be crit damage based. So it's not so good for you. But on another character where you're playing like the cat or something like that, that is kind of built around snipers and crit damage, then that scroll is very, very, very useful. So it becomes like a multiplayer experience as well, where you can say, hey, you know, this isn't so good for me, but I know it's going to be good for you. Do you want this scroll? And you can trade like guns and scrolls with other people and you kind of end up with very strong builds. Very fun game. Hmm. It's it's kind of like uh, Josh Josh described it well, but to, to maybe break it down a bit further, it's kind of like 
the the borderlands system of like let's just randomly generate a, a, a bunch of guns and then you also have the kind of rpg elements of specking into character trees and things it's like it takes both of those but it just it just wipes the slate clean between runs so well, you have you have persistent sense, yeah yeah i mean like you, you have persistent stats and things and that that's the sort of that's the roguelike that comes through but uh whenever you clear the stage and get those hero points and things that josh mentioned it's kind of like specking out your character tree uh for that run and so you get quite um like you know uh, if you were playing borderlands and you and you had a and you play a character that's got you know three or in borderlands three four um different skill trees to spec into it's kind of the same sort of thing where you have three skill trees to spec into as the character and then it's all kind of rng as to which points the game will offer you uh to take and then you kind of have to form the build up around that so is it one of those things like if you get stuffed by a bad rng at the start you're playing catch up yeah well it's, it feels like that i'm sure you know people that are good enough at the game will make anything work but there are definitely like i i have definitely developed preferences for some of the skill trees within uh that are available and if rng is such that i don't get any points for those trees the game just feels harder or the game just feels against me more than <laughs> more than normal but okay. I, I i don't think there's any skill combination that would be like objectively bad it would just be whether it, it suits more to how you want to play or not but uh, again yeah, like yeah. it's only it's only 30 minute rounds so you know worst case you you restart when you're 10 minutes in or what have you and it's not a huge loss yeah i've never got to that point where i've gone oh you know i'm, I'm so unbelievably weak i need to restart like all of the skills are, are quite good but it just might change as like patrick was saying how you work your character so there's mm-hmm. one build that i really like like similar to what patrick's saying that i really prefer and i hope rng gives me this for my for my character but if I get the other skills, it's not the worst thing in the world. It just means that maybe inst- instead of using like a crit damage weapon, I have to use something that isn't rapid fire and crit damage, and might have to go for like you know a, a cannon or something like that. that and I mean, the game the game naturally damage. balances it out as well, though. And that if it yeah. keeps giving you points that you don't like building into, the the game just makes it easier to kill you later on. <laughs> <laughs> also, like you know, once you pick up these skills, there's only X amount of skills that you can get, and there's enough. Well, there's, there's not enough in the game that you're never going to get like any of the skills that you don't want. So you'll always get a little bit you wanna, of something. You want to try that sentence again get. there? Oh, sorry, that might not have made as much sense. I was trying to form it <laughs> in my head as I was going. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, like you're never going to get so far into a run where you don't get a single skill point in any of the skills that you like. There, there aren't enough of them that you just literally cannot find any of them you'll always end up with at least some of the skills that you want by the time you finish the run if you get to the end yeah so you can always kind of make it work it's not like you've got hundreds of skills you've got like uh, i think like a dozen or something that you pick up so i believe it's three three trees and each tree has i think i think it might be six actually yes yeah total yeah Um, so 18 total that it can offer and it's not going to offer the same ones every time obviously but yeah and at the moment there's three stages and there's usually like about five kind of levels per stage that you get one of these skills at the end of every level Hmm. um and some of these skills are are a one point skill some of those skills level up to level three so then you might be able to put three points into one skill for example out of those 18 but if you didn't like that skill you're not going to take that um one thing we didn't mention actually is that the, when you choose a skill it gives you a presentation of three different skills and you choose the one that you want out of those three so while it's rng it's not unfair rng you have a pretty decent chance at getting what you like yeah so in other words of the 18 skill points that you could possibly get the game will always offer you the choice of three regardless of which ones you've already taken or not so it's not like you're just stuck with the only one that it has to offer you 
Yeah, pretty much. And then outside of that as well, you have um, points that you you accumulate, like what you were saying with the the roguelike um, outside of the game. So once you end a run, you'll get a certain amount of um, soul essence, I think it's called. And that soul essence you can use to level up one main tree that affects all of your characters. Uh, so it might be like more crit damage or more health or... Uh, when you're picking up an ally, you take less damage, stuff like that. And that, that affects all of your runs across the thing. So it balances out as you go up through harder difficulties. But then you also have skills for that very particular character. So you can specialize in one character. I think it's only five per character, but they end up making the character much, much stronger overall. Yeah, so they you definitely get do. buffs as you go through that it's like, you know, even if you got the worst possible skills, if you just find a good weapon, you can kind of still win very easily. So it's uh well i say that but on nightmare it's kind of hard <laughs> as you well, go through like you never really run into a patch where you're like i need to restart like there, there's no hope to save this there's always something that yeah, can come well, along I mean, to make at, it better at, at that point the enemy is just probably more likely to kill you anyway um True. i believe with the full release they're also releasing a higher difficulty as well if i'm not mistaken because so. there's there's normal uh elite i think and then nightmare yeah yeah, uh, and normal I, elite nightmare, and then there's one called reincarnation. Which yeah, with, uh, you you wouldn't have played that yet, but no, I'm not uh, up to that one yet. Yeah, I'm pretty much up to it now. I've done one run in it, and I, I won that one actually <laughs> without using any of the things. But basically, what it does is uh, inside the, this run for this game, uh, you get certain things that you can spend your soul essence on. So if you've maxed out maxed out all your skills then you can use that soul essence in that particular run for that game so that you're not just wasting all this essence. Hmm. So anyway, that was Gunfire Reborn. Uh, the only other thing that I've really been playing recently is uh, I'm finally on the Deep Rock Galactic hype train, which, holy cow, as a game that I... It's one of those games that I, I you know, saw a few people play and I looked at it a bit and I thought, eh, you know, not really my thing. Um, but I ended up picking it up on a, on a whim a week ago and man does it play right into what what uh what sort of systems and mechanics i just absolutely thrive on in games uh very grindy but i i'm a huge fan of that it's kind of it, it i'm not going to say it borrows because it really does its own thing but it's kind of like um it's got a lot of warframe-esque uh uh pieces which i like i was i'm a big warframe fan i haven't played it as much after the um planes of eidolon and the the uh venus open world updates but the the core pieces of what i really liked about warframe are still present in this where you've got uh four characters to choose from that all play very differently you all have uh common goals spurred across a bunch of different mission types and then it's just real uh it's kind of like the sort of hyper casual where like you could jump on and and like play a mission or so or stop or you could get other people that have just grinded out every character to max level and that's that's sort of the way that i end up playing these games but yeah no i'd i'd also thoroughly recommend people check out deep rock galactic and it's a game that's been out for a year i think came out may ish last year but uh still still uh adding content and um uh yeah still a still an excellent game that's okay, so I'm actually so glad you said that was Warframe-like because I saw this name in your notes and I thought this was a TV show that you were going to start talking about. <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, hey, Patrick's bringing in the, the other media of this uh, Oh, I podcast. wish, I it's wish. Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounded like a sci-fi show uh, name. So I was like, oh, hey, this sounds this sounds like a TV show. I, I'd like to hear more about this, but... um. 
yeah, uh, I've never heard of this before. I it's surprising it's been out for a year and a half. Um, yeah, yeah sorry to it. sorry to disappoint you, Seth. It's not sci-fi, but let, let me give you the premise. Let me give you the let me give you the pitch, right? So, so the the whole the whole thing is that you are a dwarf and you are a dwarf in space, and you work for Space Amazon, also known Sold. as Deep Rock Galactic, <laughs> the mining company. And so your entire okay, this is already sounding pretty sci-fi. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so your entire mission in life is to just be in space and mine things. So but if you're it's... working for Amazon, do you have to pee inside a spaceship inside a body? <laughs> uh, I, I assume so. I believe that was confirmed as canon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Immersion broken. So, um, yeah. so, so, are you a wagey and are you stuck in your cagey? <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Sometimes. Definitely. Sometimes. Um, the it's the uh, amazingly like the core gameplay loop isn't like groundbreaking. It's not doing anything crazy that other games haven't done before. But uh, weirdly, it's all the little attentions to detail that I just cannot get over like the the hub world is just your space station but on that space station it just gives you just random shit to do all the time and it's it's great it's like the 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 physics are janky enough that if you stand on a barrel you're just as likely to fly up into like like fly off into an object as you are to just step off the barrel like it's kind of that sort of level of jank physics but in the in the the space rig like hub world they just put barrels everywhere and so while waiting for the next mission to start uh or while waiting to join a host or waiting for people to join you or whatever it just becomes really natural to just kick a barrel against a wall until either something crazy happens or whoever has arrived arrives and then you go and do the mission and it's got like uh, like there, there's a button. It's 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 just called like I don't even know what the button's called in game. But uh, the the whole like um, like you you basically just get into a yelling match, yelling yelling uh, rock and stone, and so it's it like some of the best moments are just like you 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 load into a mission, you yell out rock and stone, and the three other people that joined also just start yelling out rock and stone, and then everyone's just sitting there yelling rock and stone like while running towards the mission objective. You've just got to the mission objective for rock and stone. You're waiting for the the drop pod to come down and and take you home for rock and stone. And you go back to the the space mining rig and you you select a beer uh, a delectable beer with which to to drink before your next mission. Um, definitely shouldn't drink and operate heavy machinery. Fast travel lounge does not condone that. However, in the context of Deep Rock Galactic, makes it infinitely more fun. Beers have like different strengths and effects and things. Um, you can, you can drink something called Blackout Stout, which the entire the entire purpose of which is that you just wake up in the in the infirmary. Um, just in between missions it's great it's like it's got the aesthetics of because it's it's a it's a coffee stain publishing game a coffee stain uh i'm pretty sure are the minds behind sanctum which i also played a ton of um sanctum being the like first person shooter tower defense cross and it had that that like it, it had that kind of like um sort of bloomy but like jungle aesthetic for most of it that was kind of like real easy on the eyes but not like it wasn't a necessarily pretty game, but it wasn't necessarily a bad-looking game. But it had a very distinctive style somewhere somewhere in the middle there, and Deep Rock Galactic takes from that 
again like a very distinctive like i would i wouldn't say it's the best looking game and conversely there are tons of games out there that look worse but it it looks great and because so much of it has to do with lighting because you're working in mines and you're throwing flares everywhere it's it's really cool how well it uh, how well it looks with what it's working with and the craziest part of all of it is that it's only a two gigabyte download Oh, like I was, oh wow that's so nothing. i was yeah exactly i was shocked that a game that came out uh you know last year may that is a fully like it's not like a uh like half game or anything there's like i've played it for 20 whatever hours and no signs of slowing down but the download is only two gigs and it takes up like, maybe two and a half on the hard drive and they're getting away with all of that like all of the gameplay all of the little like quality of life touches all the graphics everything and it's off of a two gig game. I I cannot understand how they did it. It's amazing. Hang on, just Valheim just so I can visualize smart, it. Actually, yeah, just so I can, yeah. So just so I can visualize it, is yeah. it sort of like a three D or is it two D? Like a because I think I'm imagining like it's sort of like a similar to Terraria, but I'm not really. No, sure. no, no, I'm looking at it now, and it's a, it looks like a low poly FPS. Yeah, well, so it's 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 FPS. If you've played Sanctum, it's really similar visually to that of like. Oh, um, okay. 3D, 3D. You're running around. Uh, like it's got a big emphasis on like, um, on like Z level terrain. Like, uh, like you're in a mine, right? Like you're you're mining in an asteroid. So you've got, uh, I think eight different biomes, which all look really visually distinctive, and some of them are just gorgeous to look at, and some of them are just like. Some of them are hell just because of what's in them, <laughs> but but visually they're all very distinctive. And like you load into one, you know exactly which biome you're in and what that means for the resources you find and that kind of thing. Um, you run around, uh, you know, you'll be running down like either a bunch of really like small claustrophobic almost like mine corridors, like having to battle out waves of, of um, uh, all the enemies are kind of insectoid, like all sort of bugs and things of, of various types. Uh, and then and then you'll just open into this giant cavern and the, there'll be one class that has like a grappling hook and a flare gun that can just help figure out what's in that cavern. And there'll be another class that can help like build platforms to get everyone around that cavern. But it's, it's a big, it's got big focuses on teamwork and like building out and specking classes for the right jobs at hand. But yeah, like, Honestly, it's amazing how much they've fit into what I have to keep saying because I still don't, I still can't believe it. A two plus gigabyte game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm watching it, uh, some of the trailers now while you're talking about it. This game seems fantastic. It's, it's uh, great, and there's something like it's, it's. It's it's very like obviously it's PVE. There's no PVP in there, but it it's attracted the same PVE players that. Like, I don't know, in, in my mind at least, there's a very specific sort of person that enjoys a PvE where they'll load in and, like, everyone's super friendly, everyone's really helpful. Like, there's, like, I'm not going to say there's, like, oh, it's a really strong community, but it's just, like, most people you play with online aren't assholes, which is nice. And occasionally you get some people that just either don't know what they're doing or want to play out something very different to how you thought it would play out. But you have four classes of characters where... Um, each one has five, no, four distinct uh, pieces of their kit, which can all be specced out with different perks and things, all of which can be upgraded or changed based on resources you find during every mission. Um, so what I mean is your, your mission objective might be go and mine a particular resource, but while you're there, you might find a bunch of 
I don't know, like Enor Pearls or Ermanites. I'm just throwing out names of resources that are in the game. And whatever you mine while in while trying to get to your objective, you just keep with you back in the overworld and you go and upgrade your gear and things. So you've got the four classes, each one with four like pieces that make up their kit, half of which can be changed over. Um, so what I mean is, let's say uh, one class is the Scout, just because that's what I'm leveling up at the moment. You've got a Scout. Scout's got an assault rifle, which can be swapped out with a sniper rifle, a sort-off shotgun that can be swapped out with a, with like submachine gun, uh, a grappling hook, which can't be swapped out for anything, but it's a grappling hook. Why would you want to swap it out? And a flare gun. And all of those pieces are specific to the scout. And there'll be a different four, um, four things for the miner, a different four things for the engineer, a different four things for the gunner. And so then you load... Uh, and then you want to pick a mission. So you go to the mission selection screen. You've got eight different biomes to choose from, which all look visually very distinctive and come with their own sets of like hazards and resources you're more likely to find there and uh that kind of thing and so you're like okay cool i'm just going to pick one of these six or eight whatever biomes you're like cool all right so what mission and you've got six uh ish again i don't know the specifics but six ish uh different mission types where they all play out they all do play out quite differently, but there are some that have more in common with others. So there'll be, there's like egg hunt, which is go and like burrow into the side of some tunnels to find some alien eggs, which plays quite similar to point extraction, which is just find these large rare resources that you have to bring back to a central location. But they're still different enough that you could play a bunch of one switch to the other and know that it's a distinctive thing. But each one is just such a different... Um, yeah, like you, you load in, and each time you load in, it's it's plays and feels different to the last thing you did, even if it's 90% the same. Okay, and, so that's obviously like the levels and everything and the, sort of the gameplay loop. But yeah. outside of that, is there like like a main story or gameplay mechanic that you're building towards? No, the, to, uh... the, the whole... And in some ways, this is what holds it back. There's no over... Like, there's no overarching story. There's no... Um, progression or development in that way it's literally just you have four classes to pick from you can pick whichever one you think you like or whichever one you want and that starts at level one and then you just get xp by doing missions and you get to level 25 and you get to promote it and then you promote so it back to level one arcade, and you, uh, arcade gameplay yeah, gameplay sake yeah it is and so if you if you like that mentality of you just grind it to 25 promote it and then you, you keep all of your stuff it just resets your progress to one again and then you get like a like a rank up star or whatever the the word is um like a prestige uh, kind of thing yeah prestige that's what i'm looking for yeah like card. yeah you, you get little prestige stars whatever and you just do that for whichever classes you really enjoy playing but there's no like story or like oh i need to you know see what level 25 gonna cutscene is because there's nothing that changes that there's there's a lot of end game content that you can't get until you promote at least one character which I actually think is quite a cool mechanic because as long as you promote one, you have uh, most of those perks that you get by promoting across all of your characters. So like you can only do a, so a sort of mission type once one character has been promoted, but then once that one character has been promoted, any of your characters, regardless of if they've been promoted, can do that mission type. So okay. It feels like a whole world I've been missing out on because I'm looking at the website now and they've got like a Kickstarter coming next year for a board game. They've got a merchandise store with tons of shirts and different things. Uh, they've they've got just their press kit open into a Google document that you can just a, a Google folder you can just look into and get like all these public videos and high quality art and everything from them. It's 
it's amazing what they're doing. Mm. It, it feels like this massive thing that I've just been blind to for the last year and a half. And, and th- that, that's what I say is I, I remember people playing this uh, months ago and I remember going, oh, Deep Rock Galactic, what's that? And then, you know, obviously your friend on Steam's playing it. So you click on it, you're like view game and then Deep Rock Galactic loads. And you're like, oh yeah, it looks fine. Like it's, it's nothing groundbreaking or whatever because the trailers, sh- like I'll, I'll be honest, the trailers to me at least from memory looked a lot like other random steam unknown 3d platformers but uh i don't know uh, i was chatting with um chatting with someone last week and they were like oh you know what's really great but no one ever plays deep rock galactic and then yeah uh, i think it was oh, 40 this, bucks or whatever very un- uh, later yeah. i just you know downloaded a two gig game and we were playing it within 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> this is a very unfortunate thing, though. Um, it's doing that stupid thing where uh, the Steam version isn't cross-compatible with the um, the Windows Store version or the Xbox version for some reason. Oh, so, interesting. I wasn't actually yeah, so aware of what other platforms it was available on. Yeah, so it's it's available on Xbox platforms and Steam, but um, you can by the looks of it, you can also get it off the Windows 10 Store. But um, yeah, most games that come out on the Windows 10 store that way, uh, they don't have cross compatibility with Steam for some reason. Because they usually that's really stupid. Because it's yeah, it it divides the player base in a game that's uh that would be really good with just having that cross compatibility. And this isn't like just a third party thing that happens either. Killer Instincts did the same thing when that came out on Steam, and that's a Microsoft game itself. Yeah, uh, I don't think they've ever fixed it for any of the games that have that sort of issue. I I think... Uh, oh, no. no. I, was, I was thinking Borderlands 3 went through something similar, but I think that was just a launch that was exclusivity just, that was window. Only on Epic's, uh, yeah. yeah, for like six months. But, no, but I've, there was something else, though, where there was some... It might not oh, have been Borderlands 3, but there was one that was like... You had to go I through... I think when it came to... to Steam, there was no cross play between epic game store users i and feel like there was something uh, like that where, where you had to do an extra I'm, hoop to add friends from one to the system of the other yeah i might be wrong about that but i think that's around it or it was a hassle to do the, do it yeah if it wasn't borderlands 3 it was something that i played <laughs> something that i played in the last yeah. few years <laughs> but there was, there was one that yeah once it came to steam everyone's like cool let's get it on steam and then it was just me playing it on the original um uh, platform that I got it on, which might have been Epic, it might have been something else, but all of the other people playing on Steam trying to, and we're trying to figure out how to add and play with each other. <laughs> but yeah, um, I also want to give a little bit of an addendum. It seems like the game's been around in early access since February 2018. It's just that 1.0 didn't launch until last year. The 13th of May 2020, apparently, according to Steam. Yeah, I loaded mm. up the page as well. It kind of has the same graphics as like Risk of Rain. It looks quite good, actually. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah. If I, I wasn't the poorest bitch in the world right now, I'd actually buy it right now because you've convinced me to play it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was listening going, hey, this just sounds like uh, Gunfire Reborn, but with dwarves, I'd be down. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> like, the, it, it, it would definitely be doing it a disservice to say that I really enjoyed Gunfire Reborn and I've really enjoyed Deep Rock Galactic and they share a lot in common. <laughs> they, they do, though. <laughs> just uh it seems like like oh well actually maybe not they have a lot in common but the core gameplay arcadey first person shooter thing i guess yeah and the, having a, a different class that you run as probably 
is a there lot are similarities in the core loops yeah the yeah. the wrapping the wrapping on top i think deep rock galactic does better than gunfire reborn just because gunfire reborn cool. doesn't have anything in terms of wrapping like what i mean is uh deep rock galactic you have the same core gameplay loop as gunfire reborn but it's wrapped in like you have a hub world you've got distinctive biomes you've got different aesthetic touches that make it feel different other than swapping the character that you're playing at and running through the same three stages yeah and according to the steam profile 100 percent destructible environments that's kind of cool mm. a you destructible environment <laughs> oh trust me when you're playing when you're playing classes that pack high explosives other players are very destructible <laughs> um have you uh have you been playing anything else this week no, that's pretty much it, actually. Now that I've given, now that I've done done my service by shilling Deep Rock Galactic as much as I possibly can. No, that's been that that's been soaking up most of my time, and I am a okay with that. All right, now that we've done what we've been playing for the week, uh, time for some news. First up on the news agenda, Seth, you want to speak about a bit of Pikmin Bloom? Yeah, so uh, like two days ago, maybe not even that, maybe a day ago, Pikmin Bloom got announced and it's already released in Australia and Singapore. So um, I didn't know it got announced yet. I didn't know it was actually released. So I haven't downloaded it, but I could if I wanted to. Do you intend to download it? No, not at all. But uh, <laughs> sucked in everyone else. It's out in Australia. That sucks indeed. What else you got? Uh, Resident Evil characters uh, in Fortnite, continuing the legacy of... Capcom, what the fuck are you doing putting all your characters in Fortnite? <laughs> Please stop it. Well, how much money um, do you reckon that Epic is actually paying Capcom to sort of get that? Or or, or does um, Capcom pay Resident Evil? So they, Sorry, does Capcom pay Fortnite so they can sort of do a bit of promotion? Because it's RE4 that's being re-released soon. So maybe it's drumming up some sort of interest. By they that. haven't announced it, but yeah, RE4 is, in, uh, is apparently getting remade at some point soon maybe next year release would that even but, be um, a game they no. could market at 12 year olds <laughs> i hope so uh, silent hill maybe next, please. Uh, silent hill <laughs> hey kids if you love fortnite you'll love silent hill <laughs> trying to get this bad and pyramid head the space dorito um, yeah. So yeah, um, I imagine that it's Epic paying them for the rights to put them into the game, and uh, I imagine it's uh, it's more than what um, it's more than what you think, but less than Capcom should uh, be asking. <laughs> um, yeah. So before this, uh, uh, they've done uh, a they've done Ryu and Chun Li were added to Fortnite. Then they did Cammy and Guile, and now they're doing Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine. And boy, some of the dancers are coming out from Chris Redfield being in there and more of the memes of just, Chris, fuck my sister, please, <laughs> uh, are continuing as always whenever Chris shows his face. Also punching um, rocks. Also punching rocks, yeah. They, they went as far as to put him, put it in his bio in the game that he's a survivor of the mansion incident and he's also a boulder enthusiast. Nice. So, um... That that's a bit of a fun thing they did in there, but um, yeah, I I don't play Fortnite. I don't give a shit about Fortnite, but it's always <laughs> funny seeing what other third party things they put in there because that game's it. That game's just getting everything like Smash Brothers did. Clown makeup on. Everyone is here. It's definitely the Fortnite metaverse. Um, like they've got like what Rick and well, Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. You got Superman in there. True. Um, 
Naruto leaked. Hey guys, is it actually? when's Sora being added to Fortnite? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if Disney would want to give their Sora a gun. <laughs> no, wait, he has guns in Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> he just uses the Keyblade, but it like shoots people instead. He holds it like a machine gun, like a Tommy he gun. He does that in Kingdom Hearts 2. It's a key gun. <laughs> yeah, key gun. That's great. He turns the Keyblade into guns in Kingdom Hearts 3. That's excellent. Next item on the list, uh, Josh has written down, please, pretty, please let me talk about Zoro, Zorua and Zoroark for, for like five minutes. I swear, I just want five minutes to talk about how good they are. Josh, tell us I about mean, Zorua and Zoroark. <laughs> I definitely haven't, but I would. Uh, so <laughs> the trailer for it came out and uh, basically, I mean, it is like a really cute trailer and actually really different for something that Pokemon's done in the past, which is really cool. You're trying to tell me that in 20 it is like in 2019 when they did that 24 hour live stream of one of that forest and some suckers actually watched it to see the entire the, thing the entire yeah. thing scene by scene for the galarian ponytar of all things i mean that is a really cute pokemon it is kind but of useless, not for 24 but... hours waiting <laughs> yeah no and it was but on the saturday uh... as well i could check it very easily it's different because they didn't make you wait for 24 hours and they released a little trailer with um Actually, it was kind of similar to that because, like, 24 hours prior, they released a trailer with, like, static footage and, like, you could kind of make out a Pokemon in the back. Uh, People were saying, oh, it looks like Zoroark, but no one really knew. Um, And then, yeah, 24 hours after that, they dropped a new trailer, which was, like, the recovered footage, like, quote-unquote, with basically a scientist walking around and sort of uh, giving you a shot at the region and some of the Pokemon in there and talking about, like, uh, Snowrun, how they eat, like, the ice and stuff. And then it cuts to the new Pokemon, which is the Zoroa and Zoroark uh, Hisuian forms. And then he's like, oh, you know, it's so cute. And these things are adorable. Um, And Zoroark sort of jumps out almost like a monster hunter kind of thing and just like shadows over and just straight up potentially just kills this scientist uh he just drops to the ground and that's the end of the video so it was like really unique for a a pokemon game to sort of make that approach and they're the first pokemon ever to have the normal ghost typing which means they are potentially completely broken in the in the vgc area so well that sort of depends on their stats as well and their move pool like um so the the most immediate thing I thought when I saw the um the new Zoroark is that it just looks like a redone version of uh, Lycan Rock's Midnight form. It, yeah, it does. Oh, I, I just yeah. think that was like it looks like a marshmallow version of Zoroark. It looks so cute. Uh, but only having a dark weakness and having like three immunities, I think it is off the top of my head, is pretty crazy. It's well, don't forget when, like, really interesting. in, like, Gen 3 when Sableye came out, that had no weaknesses. Same thing as Spiritomb in Gen 4. The ghost archetyping had no weaknesses until they brought in. Even in, in Gen 1, there was no dark, so... Yeah, yeah. and, like, the, like the one broken. thing Ghost was weak to was, like, um, Lick. Psychic, and that was, like, a t- I think. 20 um, base power move. Um, no, they in Gen 1, they were weak to Psychic because, because of their poison type. Oh, yeah. Every single Psychic had a poison type. And ground, obviously. They, it, they were it, Gen One was fucked because the ghost types were supposed to beat out the psychic types, but because of their poison typing, it, they just got fucked in return. Yeah. So Alakazam just ruled. What's funny is that if you go into like Gen Two, I think it is the Gengar is still like really, really, really strong in competitive. But anyway, we don't need to go into old Pokemon competitive stuff. Uh, new Pokemon are here. They look really cool. 
very different, I think, for the most part. Obviously, they're just a Hisuian form of these Pokemon, but the way that they presented them is very different. So it makes me a little bit hopeful for Arceus, which I'm not too keen on. So anyway, moving on. <laughs> Next news. Uh, Seth, next thing seems to be yours. Yeah, so this actually makes me really upset, but um, it it it's not really out of nowhere. Well, it it is out of nowhere, but it was expected. Um, Vicarious Divisions is dropping their name and is fully merging with Blizzard, so it's just becoming one big umbrella company now. And um, this is really upsetting because Vicarious Visions did a lot of great work and l- just the news of them being put into the Blizzard Mines earlier this year was really upsetting because they they did great work on the Crash Trilogy remaster a few years ago. And last year, I think it was, they released a Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remakes, which were also fantastic. Um, so yeah, they got sent over to Blizzard to help with Diablo 2's uh, re- uh, remake that was coming out and now they're just they're just merged into blizzard and most of the employees talking about it are like yeah so we kind of expected this but um it's it's still out of nowhere we we were just expecting to be our own company underneath blizzard for a while not just fully merged into them and mm. uh they with all the talks about blizzard be, trying to be more transparent because of all the allegations against them uh, this is this is a clear case again of them not being transparent to their workers. Damn. Yeah, it is a shame because Vicarious Visions. Yeah, I I probably I, as much as I was really looking forward to Diablo two, I probably will never play it. But I really liked them as a developer, and when you compare that to anything that Blizzard themselves have done in the last like ten years, which has just been just terrible game after terrible game. Uh, it's a bit sad to think that they could be influenced by that as well and just become part of that cog. But uh, so, think, yeah. thinking on the, the glass half full type of view, maybe they're taking good talent from Vicarious and want to remaster some old games and make them really good. Potentially, but Blizzard is just hemorrhaging talent at the moment as well, so you never know. Yeah, and honestly, I'd prefer if Vicarious Visions was just their own development studio doing their own things because besides the remasters I've mentioned, they've done things before. They... They, for for a while they were just a port house, but um they also did the fantastic crash games on the GBA, uh way back when like they they really got crash um they they made those uh, PS one games feel um sorry they it's like they got uh, they got what made the PS one games good when they were making two D versions of of games on the uh, Game Boy Advance, and then they made a really fantastic level that was extra DLC for um for the Crash Remaster that just uh, finally used Crash 3's abilities to their maximum effects. And uh, yeah, so just them not being able to do anything outside of Blizzard now feels really bad. Yeah, from memory, they also did Nitro Kart, which is, you know, arguably the best Crash game to ever release. So <laughs> Yeah, I think they did Nitro Kart. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a shame for them to just be merged and lose their name with, what, 20 years of history or something like that. So, because I think they were 20... Actually, I don't know. They were 1996. 1996, yeah. So over 20 years. 25. Uh, yeah. Apparently they were founded in 1991. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Like for, to just have all that history and all these titles behind them to merge into Blizzard, which is not well known in general. Oh, no, no, sorry. Not well known. Not known well currently <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> in the world. It's nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Swap two words and means something very different. Wow. It's very different. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for them to be merging to them of all people is like, ooh, that's a, a little bit spicy. 
Mm, we'll have to yeah, see. Um, so, yeah, like just from the article I'm reading, apparently the uh, people that founded the company left Vicarious Visions back in 2016 and are now uh, leading uh, Velen Studios, who did Knockout City for Electronic Arts recently. So uh, may- maybe more people will leave Vicarious Visions because pe- they-, they have been bleeding talent recently as well because of the merger. So maybe more people will leave Vicarious Visions and go work in other better places. Uh, we can only hope. Well, on that positive note, <laughs> we'll move <laughs> on to the next uh, next bit of news we got here. Uh, Sony's third-party games state of play. Take it away, Seth. Yeah, so... Um, this was actually kind of disappointing and I only really have myself to blame for this because uh, when I saw third party games, it, I, I was expecting like like seeing a bunch of stuff from like Square Enix or Ubisoft or somewhere, like some big games that would be coming to PS5. Uh, this was more smaller games, um, more along the indie side, which isn't bad, but it feels like such a waste of time to spend a a 20 minute presentation on just indies like this. I mean, Star I feel like Ocean they... is not an indie. It's almost an institution no, no, no. at this point. Um, th- there's a couple of good things, like big things sprinkled in there, but it it was a indie dominated uh, event. And I feel like this could have come at another time or tried to bring in a few other big AAA stuff. Um, well, not triple A stuff, but big, bigger third-party games to just show off what could be coming over the next year. But um, there were quite a few things. There's not a lot interested me, but these these four games did interest us. So um, first up was uh, Cart Rider. Uh, sorry, let me let me get the full name of this. Uh, Cart Rider Drift. So um, that's that's a um, that's a kart right that's a kart racing game that's coming to basically everything i think um i signed up for the beta on steam earlier this year but i completely did not have the time to play this and completely forgot about it but it does look pretty fun and just having more kart racer games in the market is a good thing because mario kart doesn't really exist anymore and um crash team racing uh lost all its um updates and is never coming out in 60 fps by the looks of it so having something that is a 60 fps kart racing game that looks pretty fun uh it that that's just a good thing for the market i mean we could all pay nintendo 150 percent markup and play the n64 version of mario kart <laughs> <laughs> uh i i meant more having new games coming for this uh, yeah, genre yeah, and not leaving it for dead <laughs> Um, so the other games that were in there was obviously King of Fighters, which is a pretty big title. Yeah, so King of Fighters isn't anything new, which is why I'm still a little underwhelmed by this coming up. But it's they announced that it's getting a network test next month. Which this one's is what, 15, I, I think? This is the King of, King of Fighters 15? Yeah, this is the King of Fighters 15. And I, I was explaining this to you off the uh, podcast before, but um, they, they went the opposite route of Capcom where... Every ex- basically every uh, new numbered game is just an expansion or with new mechanics and stuff. So if we went like the street, if the Street Fighter went the same route as this, they, we'd be up to like Street Fighter Thirty. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. Because because like Street Fighter had hey let's do Street Fighter now Super Street Fighter now Super Street Fighter Turbo, and this is just like no, here's King of Fighters ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five because they were putting them out on a yearly basis for quite a while. But um, yeah, so 15 is getting a network test to, to the middle of November, 
and uh, I'll, I'll I'll definitely be giving that a try. I I really enjoy fighting games. I'm not like great FGC material at them, but I'm like I'm like local couch king for these sort of games. <laughs> so um, I enjoy them a lot, and I will definitely give this a try. I would, but it's on November nineteen until twenty two. And hey, oh hey, there's a, isn't there another little known indie game yeah. bringing out um some sort of game? <laughs> a small indie studio, Game Freak. Might not. <laughs> yeah. Have um. No, to me, King of Fighters Network says it's more important than Pokemon. <laughs> mm. um, I don't like that. <laughs> the next big thing was um Bugsnax is getting expansion, and also fun facts with that, it's going to be free. It. It's a. It looks like a pretty substantial update to the game, and they're just giving it away for free, I'm, which is really great. I'm surprised that the developers make something as perfect as Bug Snacks, and then they think we could do <laughs> a game-changing update on top of that and release it for free. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's insane. Like, what's their what's their profit return on this? Because when the the PS5 launched, they were giving it away for free then as well. I've still got a free copy, so I've got the game and this expansion to play through completely free. I mean, Donkey puts it best when he calls it the new knack. I know you don't really like to be videos, but... Ooh. To be fair, he's always been correct about knack. Game of yes. the year every year. Knack or, or but, Super Mario Bros. 2. The, 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 only, the only things Donkey is ever wrong about is his JRPG opinions. That's true. He's always got pretty bad JRPG opinions. But anyway, um, Bugs Next expansion obviously coming. So any idea what it entails? Uh, they make it from the looks of it. They're doing like this new island that has giant bug snacks on them, and they're also giving you a house that you can decorate and renovate. So hey, Tom Nook is invading bug snacks. <laughs> oh god, capitalism <laughs> strikes again. Uh, it seems like they might give you the house for free. So no. Um, Man, is there, yeah, is, is, is there anything free? that they won't give you for free in bug snacks? <laughs> <laughs> Gameplay. I don't know because it, I don't know because they're also giving the bug snacks hats for free. Oh god, a new bug snacks hat! Thing I've seen. Yeah, bugs they, hats. They're giving it. Yeah, they're putting little tiny hats or big hats for the big ones onto all the bug snacks you can do now. Team Fortress but, Two um, urge rising, rising. <laughs> I I saw a, I saw a moth with pitta bread as its wings, and I'm instantly down. Yeah, I've seen a couple of designs for the bug snacks. Um, they're quite. It's clever, I guess. And I've seen, I think I saw a review for it when it came out because everybody was talking about it. But I don't have a PS5, so I sort of just will sit there. Um, yeah, so. Um, it looks fun. Yeah. Should, should I, I, I won't read this overview word for word, but um, it, it's uh, what they're doing is they're making a new, myst- uh, new island that's been found at the bottom of the ocean. And from that island, there's massive um, bug snacks that are all over, maybe prehistoric bug snacks. So um yeah, it's just like this whole new area to explore. They're making yeah. Jurassic bug snacks. <laughs> yeah. I wow, it's, just everything I hear improves on perfection. It's it's incredible. I I cannot so, wait. Just opening the blog for PlayStation, there's yeah a new biome, a dozen fresh bug snacks to capture and feed to your friends, which sounds horrifying for a children's game. I love that they call them fresh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fresh, and fresh bug snacks. <laughs> yeah, and then there's over 100 challenges and 30 quests, 200 decorations to collect and display, and more dialogue from our returning voice cast. So and all for they, they have a pretty fantastic voice cast as well. They brought in Rita Repulsa's actress. To be in Bugsnax, which is just a fantastic addition. 
it's it's not a game I'm gonna play, but you know it'll be good for the younger ones. I I will 100% play this when I have a chance to. Yeah, it's just I've got I need a reason to use my PS5, so Bug Snacks is a perfectly good reason. I want to see them port it into Monster Hunter. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my god, that would Bug be great. Bug Snacks, so Monster good. Hunter. Oh, fantastic. Anyway, what's that fourth game on the list? Okay, so the fourth game is actually probably the biggest game here, which is saying a lot because uh, Star Ocean is like Square Enix's double A JRPG franchise. It's never going to get the budget of Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy. And at this point, they're only releasing them once every console generation. We had Star Ocean 4 on the PS3 and 360, uh, Star Ocean 5 on the PS4 and Steam. I'm not sure if it ever came to Xbox then. And uh, now we're... I, they they haven't called this Star Ocean Six, but it might as well be from what I can tell, and it's looking very Xenoblade inspired, and um, it it looks like a lot of fun, but boy did that trailer have performance problems. There was a chunk of that uh trailer where they showed someone jumping from roof to roof on in the city, and it tanked to like fifteen FPS. Yeah, but that can improve. Uh, the the one thing I've seen about it so far was that. Kotaku actually compared it to Monster Hunter. And if you watch the trailer, it looks nothing like Monster Hunter. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why it, it looks like Xenoblade yeah, to me. Yeah, it really does. Very specifically Xenoblade 2 to me, but obviously I've only played a bit of 2. So. I only have one point of um, comparison. Well, I mean, I, I've seen gameplay of the first one, but uh, this one, it seems like you sort of have those uh, like run around kind of mechanics and... <laughs> I don't really know how to explain it, but it definitely seems more Xenoblade 2 than Xenoblade 1. Obviously, we don't have anything to compare it to for this Star Ocean, but hey, it'll be a good story like every other Star Ocean. So, well, at least it'll be viable I as do, a story. I do very much enjoy, though, that the protagonist of this new Star Ocean looks very JRPG sword guy-ish. Like, he just looks like a very generic JRPG protagonist, and I can get behind that. Yeah, it really does. Um, and the name is a bit interesting. So Star Ocean, the Divine Force, like doesn't really give you any sort of insight on what it's going to be about. But he does I don't think like any a... of the Star Ocean games uh, subtitles ever did. Uh, yeah, I suppose you're right. Actually, thinking about it, but um, yeah, it does look quite good. I mean, the the trailer looks very good. The graphics look pretty impressive for for what the game is so far. So yeah, I'm to um, see more going going still sticking to the xenoblade comparison it looks like xenoblade on hardware that isn't nintendo hardware a xenoblade above 720 fps thanks switch that's 720 <laughs> yeah. fps what 720p 30 fps gotta go fast if you're lucky yeah. if you're lucky yeah but yeah um yeah besides the trailer looking pretty fantastic and xenoblade ish there isn't a whole lot to say about star ocean just yet it, it looks it looks like it'll be good i'm very excited for it but um, yeah, when the highlight of a uh, PlayStation Direct is Star Ocean is coming back, I don't think it's a very strong uh, Direct. I don't know. It's the first Star Ocean since 2016. So that's like five years. Like obviously, you just had the generational gap. There are massive fans of this series, so there there are. I I know people that will that will be very much excited for this. I I was excited seeing Star Ocean is back. It's just. I don't know. I was I was expect I was maybe expecting too much from this. Expecting like like what what would you really want to see out of a, the next third party direct while we're on the topic? Do you have anything that you were really sort of hoping for, longing for? I'd I'd like to see something more along the AAA side of things of like, hey, here's something big budget to be really excited about for owning a PlayStation console. 
Like this, this felt like double A or lower, which is fine. Like the batteries. It's just I would have liked. I, I, I would have <laughs> yeah, liked. Yeah, Steve, to, like um, the batteries. <laughs> yeah, I, but um, I would have liked to have something very big in there to like at least at least one thing that was like, oh, this is really really hype and everyone can get behind it. Yeah, and it was also really weird because they ended on a weird segment uh, for this direct. They they should have one hundred percent ended on Star Ocean because they ended with a little devil inside with a trailer that didn't make a whole lot of sense and made it feel really placid. I know it's also weird for their like their third party big title when you really look at it to be Star Ocean when like it was said, hey, you know, it's coming to PS4, coming to PS5. And then everywhere immediately they said, hey, it's also coming to Xbox. It's also coming to Xbox Series X and PC. Like it's going to be available on pretty much everything except for Switch because it probably can't run it. So for that to be their really big title is it's interesting. That That's also kind of a thing of like, this is just how these marketing things work where um, if you go onto like the PlayStation or Xbox versions of game trailers, they only have their logos on um nintendo directs happen where they announce games and then it's like oh hey this is also coming to everything else it's it's just a little bit of a weird thing it is definitely but, yeah. like a thing that happens but yeah for, for it to be the the big one sort of made me laugh but yeah yeah so um yeah there's not a whole lot more to say on that so i'm i'm pretty much done with this topic <laughs> so then i guess steve had something that he wants to bring up which is pretty big news yeah, Battery Man himself gets the final news piece of the episode. Take it away, Steve. <laughs> they finally released campaign information with Halo Infinite. Finally. They promised us it would be a release title for the Series X. It didn't come because they obviously weren't ready. The infamous Craig the Monkey. Um, was it Craig or Greg? <laughs> Craig, Craig. It was Craig. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was actually a, yeah, Craig the Brute. Yeah, the Brute. He wasn't really good. Well done. They put him back in the oven. He's come out. He's looking good. He's come good. <laughs> Um, ironically I think it was just supposed to be like a non and like a non-name um, generic enemy but yeah anyway but yeah so they finally released some campaign information small single player um, storyline and gameplay footage which looks pretty good it does seem to be a bit more open world uh, which semi-concerning like it's it's, it's the that that's my big concern. Yeah, they might I be taking the it like a, thing about it. They might be taking it a different way. Like it did from the I think it was like a six minute video, and I was getting very strong Far Cry vibes. Um, really? Whoa! Yeah, it it also reminded me of Far Cry. Yeah, really. I I genuinely looked at it and was like, okay, so Microsoft's seen Bungie do this and then do this with Destiny. And they've just taken <laughs> Bungie's like thing, and they've just made this a Destiny game. The, the, the big thing that gave it. me Far Cry flags was um that they have enemy resistance spaces that you go into and just destroy. yeah. And there was like there's one boss that has like a health bar come on top of it as well, so that gave like some weird Borderlands type of thing. Um, but then at, at the same time, it might just be like a semi open world thing. It's all like skeptic. It's all skepticism at this stage, which is like what we should be. This game is literally like we've been delayed by twelve months, and it is like a big, uh, essentially a big system seller for the Series X and probably another reason why um, the Series X doesn't really selling that good. Um, or even though they're yeah, all sold at out. At this point, it's scheduled to come out December 8th, so it's still a month and a half away. Yeah, a month and a half so away. Um, I've still got to go back and replay all the Halo games because I'm a big Halo lore nerd to the point. I've even got um, like a couple of the books. Um, 
which is you get into it like it's a lot of good stuff like so the original like the campaign story now is like it's focusing on um cortana which is the master chief's ai and she's going sort of like uh rampant i think is the term um that's technically used because the just to give you a sort of broad brush um deepest lore about halo um the ai that they've that cortana is based off is um it's based off like neural links that are made through uh the human brainwave so they break down after about uh five years or so and i think cortana's been there for like eight or nine which makes it one of like the oldest ais and she's gone like nuts um and in halo 5 she was going a bit nuts and she was like she was trying to sort of save herself but she was going crazy and she split herself up to sort of get rid of all the corrupt data but it never really went anywhere and then it's like okay see you later i'm going crazy so i'm just gonna um send myself off into space but then you've got a master chief's like what do you mean i'm not master chief without her so um yeah i'm yeah it was really weird seeing the original showcase for the uh for the plot because they were doing something completely different and the entire time i was just thinking what's happening with the cortana storyline yeah well i mean they did say that as part of this in the reveal trailer that Basically, the, the, this this AI that you meet at the start of this game, presumably looking at the trailer, was codenamed the Weapon, and that she was designed to destroy Cortana. Obviously, if she went rogue or you know got too far past her expiry date, so uh, they might be continuing that up, which would be good for them to have a cohesive story. But you never really know. <laughs> does Does anyone know how long Cortana's been bundled with Windows Ten? <laughs> so Windows I'm just 10 just wondering. It, she, she released with windows 10 and windows 10's release date was i think 2012 off of my head but let me no no 2015 wow okay much later oh yeah before. windows so, 10's past it's 2015 it has now yeah. yeah windows 11 my favorite part but of anyway, the morning is getting on. those emails from cortana telling me you got stuff to do <laughs> and i'm okay okay cortana i'll finish the fight and i just play the <laughs> um the ending theme song um but yes yeah so Halo's coming out soon. Can't wait. I'm going to go and replay all the campaigns um, once again, probably just on medium so I can breeze through it and get myself up to date. Uh, and then it, it, One thing that did come out is that it won't launch with a cooperative campaign and it's not launching with ray tracing. Yeah. So that's semi-unfortunate. Ray tracing, yeah, whatever. Cooperative campaign has always been a big thing for Halo. Um, like I'm currently replaying all the games and I'm up to Halo 4 and we've been doing them all in Legendary which you know it, it's not fun to grind that out unless you're doing it with a friend so oh god that is so hard and some of those levels like it's yeah like I've oh some of them are pretty hard um, so like, I'm not gonna lie Halo 2 nearly broke me yeah Halo 2 has <laughs> got like weird checkpoint systems as well um, yeah and if you got the wrong checkpoint it's, it's quite hard yeah. to, to sort of to get past that checkpoint to force yourself through but um yeah, that was by far by far the hardest legendary game to beat. But um, yeah, like cooperative campaign has just been so core to Halo in my experience that for this to not release with it makes me almost want to not play the campaign until I can really get around to, until they can get around to implementing it rather. Yeah, I mean, it so, sounds like they've confirmed that it's coming. It's just not a launch uh, requirement. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they have actually confirmed that it is. No, coming, I'm pretty sure. But, I'm 99 sure it is coming. Um, but it's just yeah. yeah, they've said it's coming, but it's not going to be at launch. It'll probably be like six months later. Yeah, which is a even, real big shame. Yeah, it might even be a couple of weeks. Well, by the end of the year or something. They might. They probably hit the 
like the end of the thread with like, okay, we've delayed it by 12 months. At what point do we like, yeah, we just have to release it type of thing. Um, they'll put it in mm. later. And because there's a big multiplayer aspect with it as well. So they might sort of like release it and split up into like sort of two teams, one that does all the seasons and the battle passes um, and focuses on all the, the multiplayer aspects and one that focuses on things like putting in the ray tracing and the cooperative play. Um, and I mean, as you said, it sounds like this is one of the games designed to move systems. So the longer that they hold back on releasing anything, the it's not just you know Halo sales that that would be stalled as a result. I could be wrong, but I think this is the first time a Halo game hasn't released with an Xbox within the first couple of months of an Xbox releasing, ever. Um, wow. So it's it's very interesting for them to to not have their one big blockbuster currently on the Series X. So. Also, I'm not an Xbox person, but this is like this is going to be their first really big major game to release for the Series X. I yeah, believe. pretty much. Yeah. And, it- and then Forza will be the other one, which is you know obviously coming in the next like two weeks. I think it is. So it's uh, for them to have I- their two big blockbusters less than a month apart is really really strange. Oh, are you talking about Forza Motorsport? Well, Forza Horizon, I got that backwards in my head because I was like, are you talking about Forza Horizon? Because I I know that the only thing they've shown for Forza Motorsport is a CG trailer where they showed that they removed the numbers. Yeah, no, Forza, Forza Motorsport's probably a little while out, but yeah, Forza Horizon 5 releases sometime this month, I think. Uh, next, uh, month, next, uh, month, next, month, no, next month, early I November, think, yeah. 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 yeah, early November. Um, so yeah, for them to have their their two really big selling titles a couple of weeks apart, I almost oh actually it will be over a year after the console yeah. release is really yeah, really strange. But we've also got to remember it's kind of a dire moment. It, no, it's kind of a dire situation for them in that case for me because it's like, uh, it's what's what's the big reason to get into the new consoles on the Microsoft end if uh, they're big if they haven't had anything big released on there for over a year now. And remember, this is also Microsoft that bought up, like, they Bethesda they just they just inhaled else. a ton of smaller game studios with not necessarily, you know, this console in mind, but with the idea that they'd be just powering out games that they'd want everyone to play. And it seems like, despite all that investment, we're still back to, when's Halo? When's Forza? Yeah. <laughs> when's Fable? Yeah. Fable, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, and we've also got to remember as well that the way that X, the Microsoft is sort of running their games division now is a bit different because they've got the whole... Uh, games windows aspect um so the game pass a lot of like so halo and forza will both be coming to pc as well at the same time yeah exactly like that's another thing of like i'm not a big xbox person because at this point any game i want to play from microsoft i can just play on my pc now yeah the, yeah that's essentially it like there's no reason to sort of own it and they've they're, they're doing um quite um big leaps and strides with their streaming um, thing. So uh, I think I was reading something the other day. You, you'll soon be able to stream Xbox Series X games to your original Xbox provider. You've got like the the internet connection for it, which you probably won't see in Australia. But like, it's they're definitely doing their own thing and they're beating to their own drum. And if they didn't really... If the PS5 didn't carry up a lot of like the legacy stuff that people were oh i've got a ps4 i might as well get a ps5 type of thing it would be interesting to sort of see what would the playing field be like i don't think legacy matters all that much because the the ps2 is like the most successful console in history and 
then when it came to the next generation, the 360 was ahead of the PS3 by quite a while for a long time. Mm. It took it took the PS3 until the end of the generation to catch up. Is the PS2 still the best selling, or is it now the Switch? Oh, yeah. I believe the PS2 is still the best selling, but the Switch is gaining momentum. Yeah. And I think it's different because if you include, um, like the PS2 was out for longer, like it'll probably catch up by the end of it. Um, well, I mean, the Switch OLED just released instead of a Switch Pro, so we've probably got this for at least another 12 months. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. But no, yeah, interesting stuff for Halo, interesting stuff for Microsoft in general. A lot of stuff coming out of that. Um, so yeah, looking forward to the Christmas break. I have a lot of stuff to play. Yeah, so um, I don't have a lot of ground to stand on for this when it comes to Halo because I don't actually play the campaigns for these. I only play the um, I only play the uh, multiplayer of them when I get the chance. But um, Halo going open world seems really odd to me because I feel like it's very much uh, based around uh going through linear levels with big set pieces and very considered firefights. And I don't feel like you can design those sort of things in an open world game, but maybe they'll have, uh, hey, once you, uh, at certain missions, we'll take you into that sort of situation. Yeah, yeah it might be uh, just, yeah. In the, in the story, so maybe they'll still have them. But I don't think you can do those sort of things similarly in an open world game and get those same type of kicks you could if you just made a linear game. I mean, Destiny did it, and they did it very well by doing exactly what you were saying, where you would have an open world scenario, and then you would arrive at a certain checkpoint, and you would do a mission that was at that checkpoint, and you would start and run through a set world and a set, uh, you know, pieces of enemies that dropped certain pieces of gear, and then there were raids tailored around that as well. So it might might end up being something like that, but. We'll just have to see when it releases on December eight. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just I I wasn't too convinced by that. Uh, I I do want to play through the Halo campaigns at some point, but uh, that one didn't fill me with a lot of um, lot of urgency to play through them. And that brings us to the end of the news section for this week and the end of episode one. Uh, do you want to do a quick what people can expect next week? Uh, start with you, Steve. Yeah, um, I said before, I'll say it again. I'm definitely going to get into Agent Fights 4 when that drops. Um, should be good. Might try a bit of the campaign. Might try a bit of the online and get stomped, but we'll just sort of see how we go. And uh, chances of Temtem releasing next week? Uh, 100%. It'll be on Game Pass as Excellent. well. <laughs> cool. Looking forward to it. Seth, what have you got on next week? Uh, so I took a big break from it, so I'll probably be returning to Final Fantasy Tactics now that I'm mostly done with Dread. Sounds exciting. Can't wait to hear about that. Josh, what have you got? Uh, so I'll definitely be playing a little bit of um, a bit of Age of Empires for sure on release. And then I think I'll end up playing a bit of Deep Rock Galactic by the, by the sound of it. So we might be able to tag in on whatever we talk about next week on there. So let's see. And I will be joining you for Rock and Stone in Deep Rock Galactic as well. Uh, that's what you have to look forward to next week. I've been Patrick. I've been joined by Seth, Josh, and Steve. You've listened to the Fast Travel Lounge, and we'll see you next time.